Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Uncooperative Radio Show with Brian Bonner. The finest uncooperative conservative radio on the net. Kicking down the wall, blowing away the smoke screens. You cockroaches, and you know who you are. You can run, but you can't hide. Brian Bonner stands for truth, justice, and the American way. Enemies of America, foreign and domestic, consider yourself on notice. Uncooperative Radio is coming for you. the Uncooperative Radio Show. I'm your host, Brian Bonner from UncooperativeBlogger.com. You're listening to UncooperativeRadio.com. And I'm here with my lovely wife and producer, Susan. Say hello, Susan. Hello, American Patriots. Was it just me or that intro kind of ended early? No, it was you. Oh, okay. I think you, you ended, you came in late. You usually come in earlier than that. Oh, I couldn't hear. What, the earbuds not working again? Working now, but they weren't. <laughs> Anyway, we're going to start the show with the prayer today, then the ups and downs for the week, and the illegal alien invasion report. We will tell you what was the church that changed American history, followed by the war on white people. Be very afraid if you are a white heterosexual male. There is a war on white people. There is no war on black people. There is no war on brown people. There's a war on white people. And tissues. And before we get on with the prayer... I need to ask you about what we were just listening to in Atheists. I loved how you said you said to keep giving them answers or giving them questions to Atheists. <laughs> I never said keep giving them answers. Okay. I say well, such a thing. Well, we were listening to Wall Builders, and they had a gentleman on the uh, show that is made a new movie against Atheists, like Atheist Delusion or something it's called, and he's from Australia. And they were talking about some famous atheist that, they were asking questions of, and he wanted to know how was the earth created, and he said using crystals. Remember what he said, that he was using crystals? It was grown on a, on a crystal. On a crystal. And he said, what else did he say about aliens? Why do you bring stuff up if you don't even remember what the <laughs> heck you're I talking about? Because I want you about? to tell him. I wasn't listening. Yes, you did, because you answered him. He said, who, you said. No, who? I, did, I wasn't listening, but it, it went further than that anyway. He asked where the crystal comes from, and he said, aliens brought it. I'm like, well, okay, so who created the aliens? Atheist. <laughs> and by the way, when you get to the universe, still the same question. Who created the universe? Who created the universe? You can't get away from it, no matter how much you try, 
I, I so I atheists don't talk to me because I just start asking them questions like that and they can't answer them. And so I'll well, see you have faith after all. Well, there's other people out there having a war on atheists like you. <laughs> You're not alone. <laughs> uh, it's like the Big Bang Theory, stupid nonsense. It's like, yeah, okay, even if that's true, and now that it's turned out that not, they're thinking it's not really true. Even if that was true, how did it? How did it happen? Well, this and this combined. Whoa, whoa, who created this and this? Uh. Well, on that note, we can start with the prayer. You did? Did you read all that? I did. No, you did. We not, I didn't give you a chance. Yes, I did. I just read it before we started talking about atheists. Okay. I don't remember. I'm tired. All right. Um, this is my prayer. Oh, my Lord, my God and creator, I wish to thank you for my life. I wish to always try and make you proud. I will endeavor to always do your will, but if I take the wrong fork in the road, I will trudge back towards the fork, no matter the hardship, so that I may tread down the right path towards you, my God. Amen. The ups and downs for the week. Up from World Net Daily. Ben Hur. I'm going to love watching that. I miss, you know, the old Ben Hur was really good, but I hear the new Ben Hur is even better. It's just unusual. You Usually know, remakes suck. I had no idea there was three of them, and it was from a book. I had no clue. Three of what? Three movies. Include this one would make the third remake. I only know of the one with Charlton Heston. Read on, Macbeth. You'll find out. No, that's a different <laughs> author. Ben-Hur, the 2016 edition, is a modern film telling a very old-fashioned story set in biblical times from an 1880 novel by Civil War General Lew Wallace. It's such a compelling story that it's been retold many times by successive generations. Since the novel became a national bestseller in the late 1800s, Ben-Hur has been performed on stage complete with chariots and live horses running on treadmills. <clears throat> it was a black-and-white silent screen marvel in 1925. That was the one I didn't see, nor would I be interested in watching a silent film about Ben-Hur. That's just ridiculous. And a widescreen color epic in 1959, winning 11 Academy Awards. In 2016, Ben-Hur can be seen in 3D glory. And unsurpassed visual effects. With every retelling, each generation has claimed Ben-Hur as its own. During the Gilded Age, when the novel was published, Americans read it through the lens of the era's popular theme of achieving prosperity through piety. In the mid-1920s, despite the abounding prosperity of the Roaring Twenties, the story still raw issues of slavery, of Jews and Christians, and colonization by the Romans remain resonant with the audiences worldwide. By 1959, seen by audiences 
who fought and survived the horrors of World War II, Ben-Hur transcended into a masterpiece, depicting themes of betrayal, conviction, and redemption told with gravitas and power and with a revenge plot that leads to love and compassion. The world wanted to heal, and Ben-Hur showed us how. What about 2016's Ben-Hur? After nearly 140 years since Wallace penned his mighty tale of the Christ, the world has come full circle. We're living in an age of a prosperity gospel, dividing the rich and the poor in an ever-widening gap. We're also in an age in which slavery has taken on new forms in human trafficking and slave labor, masked by the guise of low-wage earners. All right, who's the freak that you got this from? World Dead Daily? Really? It sure sounds like a left-wing lunatic to me. Uh, masked by the guise of low-wage earners. Oh, that's slavery. Finally, we are in an age of colonization in our politics, theology, and mass migrations fought most visibly within inner-city plantations. You mean ghettos? In an interview with World Net Daily, Mark Burnett and Roma Downey, producers of Ben-Hur, revealed the biggest difference in their version of the story from the others. Downey explained, in our movie... You get to meet Jesus and look into his face, hear his words. You get to follow the journey with Judah Ben-Hur, whose heart had been hardened by a desire for vengeance. He comes back from being a galley slave on a mission to avenge, and it isn't until he encounters Jesus that his heart is opened. Downey recounts the powerful scene when Jesus Christ is crucified. Downey said, We paid that in the moment. We prayed that in the moment. When Judah Ben-Hur's heart is healed through grace and his life is transformed, that audiences around the world, too, might be healed. That's our biggest prayer for the movie. If you don't know who she is, she's from uh, that angel show. Touched by an angel. Amongst other things. <clears throat> she's gotten into the production end of things. Sounds like it's going to be a good movie. And they're putting all the parts in that uh, wasn't in the 1959 movie because it was too religious. You, you didn't get to see Jesus or any of that. All right. So down from the S. Oceated Press. A California woman has been sentenced to more than four years in federal prison for illegally exporting U.S. military gear to China including jet fighter engines and a drone aircraft. Court records show a Miami federal judge imposed the sentence Friday on 45-year-old Wenxia Mann of San Diego. A jury convicted her in June of conspiring to export and actually exporting military equipment without the proper license. Federal prosecutors say evidence in the case showed Mann worked with a person in China, to export engines used in F-35, F-22, and F-16 fighter jets, as well as an MQ-9 Reaper drone aircraft capable of firing Hellfire missiles. Mann allegedly told the undercover Homeland Security investigations agent she worked with a spy who helped 
the Chinese military copy items from other countries. Well, isn't that great? Uh, why was it? Why was it she tried for treason? Sounds like treason to me. <clears throat> well, I'm sorry if you think China's our friend. If they're such, if they're such our friend, why do they keep stealing stuff from us? <clears throat> this, you know, this is the kind of stuff that's going on, and it's been going on for since the Clintons. This Chinese spy. Why ever we crack down on this? It's a, again political correctness. I don't care. I don't care if you have to put them in. Oh, I don't know internment camps. Brian, how did she get this out of the country? You were talking about that yesterday when you read this before you gave it to me. I don't know. They don't say, so what's good? What's the good of talking about it? You were like, how could she transport it? No, no. How did, she, how did they not notice, is what I said. Jet engines are very big. And, you know, that Hellfire missile drone is gigantic. It's not one of those little drones. How can you put a Hellfire missile on a little drone? It's airplane size. And China just keeps stealing our secrets. And we just keep letting them. Well, you know, the Clintons love the Chinese. Hitler, too. Oh, remember her Nero jacket? She likes the Nero jacket. Yes, yes, yes. Nobody cares if China is is going to get stuff that they shouldn't have that they can use against us. It's not like they're acting peaceful like a good neighbor out there, right? China, China's not being peaceful and a good neighbor. It's being an aggressive neighbor. It's claiming oceans that don't belong to it. It's claiming land that didn't exist. They built it. And so nobody's really counting it as land. Just them. They're threatening Taiwan. How is it? This is not a peaceful neighbor. They've already completely encouraged a declaration of war from Japan. I mean, firing missiles over the top of them, really? Harassing them in what's supposed to be international waters? <clears throat> now, do do note some Prague's going to try and use this as an argument for the lost treaty. What of the supplement of the sea treaty? What does L stand for? I forgot already. Long of the sea treaty, something of the sea treaty. I don't know. It's been out there for so many years. I forgot. So that's a definite down because that technology is very important. All right, up from. Oh, no, wait, before you move on, don't you say now oh, they can uh, build their own? Wait a minute. It, it was it already in the article, Susan. No, they can build their own now. It's right? already in oh, okay. what I read, Susan. It's what they do anyway. Anybody that does business over there turns over their intellectual property and then they just use it to put them out of business, which is why I don't understand why people do business in China. Again, everybody knows China takes things apart, re, you know, figures out how to remake them, 
And it was right in the end, if you stay in the room long enough to hear what I'm saying. From WISTV.com. <clears throat> a Mount Pleasant woman who's about to turn 103 years old celebrated a couple of weeks early with a beer. You're 103. What you call the beer you like? <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and uh, obviously, my producer can't uh, seem to fill in. She's got to play with her phone. So, so when I'm trying to clear my throat, you really need to get involved and stop playing with your phone. There's no texting during the show. I was making it silent. Wow, that took a long time. Yes, it did. Anyway, so she's she had one beer. Oops. Mildred Bowers, called Millie by her friends, lived through the Great Depression and outlived two husbands. She was one of the nine girls in her family and says she was the only one who did not have children. By Friday, some out-of-town friends took Bowers to Paige's Okra Grill for an early birthday celebration. Bowers said she knows the secret to living to 103. It's all in the genes, she said. I feel okay because I'm in good health. She's also sharp as a tack. My mind is good. I have no problem with that, and that's the big thing. That a lot of people my age don't have at my age is a good mind. I'm jealous of her skin. I'm jealous of how beautiful she looks, said Janelle Sherman, who had lunch with Bowers. Bowers says there's another secret to her longevity. Have a beer. Doctor's orders. <clears throat> Excuse me. Every day at 4 o'clock, Bowers is allowed to have a beer at the assisted living facility. She says the idea came about during a conversation with some nurses who said, why not? Well, you know, this, this bothers me. I was going to make this an up-down, but it was just too cute. She's paying for the assisted living facility. She's paying to live there. Who are the people that own it or the nurses? To How tell do you her? know she's paying? Because when you're in an assisted living facility, you have to pay for it. Not if you have insurance. Yeah, but you still actually you still have out-of-pocket costs because my friend Bev Depends wants Depends on the insurance. Okay, because that's what's going to happen to my friend Bev, and that's why she doesn't want to go there because she's, she's going to have to pay. That's the way it works. But even though, what, what, I, this always bothered me, being a nurse. Who am I to tell somebody what to eat, to drink, you know? I mean, really, unless it's some, a, because, a poison. Because medicine has already said that one beer a day is very healthy for you. Just like one glass of red wine, a couple shots of whiskey. I know, but again, she had to get permission to do it. That kind of bothered me. She's 103. What does she need permission from me for? She didn't ask permission. I don't know where you're getting the permission from. She said the idea came about during a conversation with some nurses who said, why not? Right. It, do you see anything in there that says she was asking permission? No. It was during a conversation. And the nurses said, why not? She, she wasn't asking for permission. <clears throat> anyway. The other thing about this. Anyway, it's doctor's orders, so the nurses have, have nothing to say right, about right. it. Nurse. <laughs> the other thing about this is how much technology has she seen in her lifetime, Brian? How fast? You better look for some more articles. I can already tell this is going to go too fast. And no. You, 
and you're stretching. No, uh, no, I wanted to bring this up. All these people that they're in their hundreds, Brian. Well, so far, you the... didn't bring anything up except you were wrong. <laughs> all those people that are in their hundreds and all this technology and how fast it's come about, that, I mean, it must make their head spin. I don't know. Why don't you ask her? I mean, they went from what? A regular car to talking cars now? Cars that talk I'm at sorry, you? is this something to do with this article? Because you're way off in left field now. <laughs> yeah, it does because she's a hundred. Nope. Out of the rabbit hole. Out. Enough. <clears throat> they said, but you know what? We'll ask the doctor. So immediately he said yes, Bowers said. It is something she'd recommend for all seniors. Yes, if they like it, she said, prompting laughter from her friends. Look, there are people who don't like coffee and people who don't like tea, but I want everyone to drink what they like. So with her 103rd birthday, that'll be uh, be Old Crow Kentucky whiskey for me. Thank you. Good old Kentucky bourbon. Uh, So with her 103rd birthday just a couple of weeks away, her friend ordered Bowers a beer. The bartender placed it on the table and Millie took a sip and liked it. Doctor said it was good for her, and obviously it is. Still kicking, friend Marion Hartman said. There was another special early birthday moment for for Bowers. She posed for her first cell phone selfie ever. Oh, my God. It was the perfect birthday <laughs> top-off by her favorite beverage. Millie's actual birthday is on August 31st. What are they, why are they doing it early? It's kind of... It would freak me out if I was 103 years old. What are you afraid I'm not going to make it? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> That's a very good point. <laughs> Why aren't you doing it on my birthday? <laughs> I don't know. It seems like the author didn't think of it. <laughs> must must have went to journalism school. Has no idea how to write an article. Oh, and you saw the picture I showed you of her. She likes ales. I yeah, thought it was, it was a, a stout. It was an amber ale. Amber ale, yeah. I thought it was a stout. You're like, no, it's not. Could a stout. even be an IPA. An IPA, I mean. Indiana, Indiana. Ah, Indian Pale Ale. No, it was dark. Well, if you look at. You know the ones that you put the. Well, uh, the Belgians? The oranges in it? In the yeah, in beer? the beer? Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like that color. Oh, okay. So it could have been an IPA or. It looked like an amber ale to me. Had that color to it. It definitely wasn't a lager. It wasn't a, you know, a, a light beer. It was dark. It was a darker amber brown. Which yeah, you don't get with these stupid can bottled beers. Unless you go fancy, do you spend know a million dollars. Do you know they have bo- they have canned margaritas now? You can get a margarita in a can. Don't you have to add the alcohol? No, it's so it's like they're selling it like they do the uh, hard cider. Oh, same kind of premise. So it's low in alcohol. Yeah, in a can. I'm like, why would I want a margarita in a can? Yeah, but it's not a margarita in a can. It's, it's got, <laughs> it doesn't have enough alcohol in it. And it doesn't have the, the salt around the rim and the whole bit. And where's the lime? <laughs> I know. You Got to provide your own. It's in a can. <laughs> well, there's lime juice in a margarita, isn't there? Yes. A long time since I made a margarita. I know it has tequila in it. I hate it. I hate anything with tequila in it. It ruins everything it touches. As a matter of fact, everybody used to rave about my drinks, and the secret was I'd leave out the tequila. tequila. 
He used to be a bartender. Yeah. Amongst I, other million things he used to be. Yeah, I even made up my own drinks. Yes, you did. But, uh, that, like, the Long Island iced tea, I'd leave the tequila out of it. What does tequila have to do with Long Island? And uh, it, it, when you leave the tequila out, you know what it tastes like? Iced tea. Put the tequila in, you know what it tastes like? Tequila. You know, you are ahead of your time, and I didn't even really realize that till you just said this. There are, that now, there are people called mixologists. It's a whole field. That's what I called myself. I know. It's that a, now? It's a whole field now, and it has been for many years, about five or six years, maybe even longer. But these people have competitions, and they get paid big bucks, and they're called mixologists. And it, you were doing that, like, way years before they even made a profession. Now it's a profession. Yeah, that was back, goodness, 80s? 80s, yeah. And now 80s, it's a profession. Yeah. <laughs> I just did it to get people to come I back know, into the bar. You know how much money you could have made? <laughs> oh, now I'd be making big bucks. Yep. I'd probably be in Manhattan. Yep. <laughs> it's funny how life is. I'm glad I didn't make it in that. I wasn't trying, but I'm just saying I'm glad that didn't happen because I'd, I'd be stuck in New York still to this day. And you know, I am great that I was able to get the heck out of there when I did. <clears throat> All right, up down from WashingtonTimes.com. Mr. Obaminus has come under fire for, he wouldn't even say President Mr. Obama. This is the Washington Times, too. I know. That's why Washington Times is conservative. The Washington Post is liberal. The Long Los Angeles Times is liberal, and Los Angeles, what's the other one called? The Times and WAPO. WAPO is the Prague one, and 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 uh, I mean, uh, WAPO is the Times one in Washington. You have, yeah, and the Times is conservative, and then Los Angeles Times is. Prague, and their other paper, I, I think is New York has Post. What does Los Angeles have? Does it have Chronicles? I don't know what the, I, I forget don't know. now. I don't know. But I know at the time, yeah, Los Angeles Times is Prague rag. But still, you say he should be called President, not Mister. They used to do that to Bush all the time. Everybody did it to him. They never, hardly ever called him President in articles. And even on on the the. On the radio, I just, even. I just call him Caesar. Has come into fire for sticking his, sticking to his two-week golf vacation on Martha's Vineyard instead of taking time to survey the flooding in Baton Rouge area, which has left 13 dead. And with that, we're going to go to a break. So I'm Cooperative Radio Show. You stay tuned, because we'll be right back. You live here? Yes. Maybe you know what a zombie is. When a person dies and is buried, it seems a certain voodoo priest who, who have the power to bring him back to life. Horrible. It's worse than horrible because a zombie has no will of his own. You see them sometimes, walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. You mean like Democrats? I'm Sheriff David Clark, and I want to talk to you about something personal, your safety. It's no longer a spectator sport. I need you in the game. 
But are you ready? With officers laid off and furloughed, simply calling 911 and waiting is no longer your best option. You can beg for mercy from a violent criminal, hide under the bed, or you can fight back. But are you prepared? Consider taking a certified safety course in handling a firearm so you can defend yourself until we get there. You have a duty to protect yourself and your family. We're partners now. Can I count on you? This safety message brought to you by the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Office. You hear the headlines. You know health insurance is a real mess right now. Premiums have skyrocketed, and in most cases, you're stuck with your plan until open enrollment. But there's a government rule that allows you to qualify for lower health insurance rates if your life has changed. That means if you've changed jobs, if you're having a child, if you're getting married, if you're getting divorced, even if you run a small business or you're self-employed, this law may qualify you to get lower health insurance rates. Call the health insurance hotline today. Learn how this 10-minute call can help you get lower health insurance rates. This is a free service to help consumers learn the laws to help them qualify for lower health insurance rates. So call right now to learn more. 800-296-1140-800-296-1140-800-296-1140-800-296-1140-800-296-1140. What is term life insurance? It's basically a financial protection plan for your family if you pass away. It can be a hard purchase. Think about it. It's one of the few major purchases you can make that you will personally never use. But you've got to have it to protect your family. And you owe it to yourself to shop and compare to get the best possible rates. For term life insurance policies of $500,000 or more, call the term lifeline today at 800-430-1891. 800-430-1891. See if you qualify for up to $1 million in coverage for as little as $3 a day. We'll gladly compare multiple carriers to get you the best possible rates. So call now. 800-430-1891. 800-430-1891. 800-430-1891. Sample rate cited requires qualifying medically in the preferred non-tobacco rate class. If you are struggling to pay or haven't been making your student loan payments, listen carefully to this urgent alert. Have you been out of school for 10 or more years and you're still making your student loan payments? Are your student loans past due or even in default? Can't go back to school because of an old student loan problem? We can help you if you qualify. Your student loans can be taken out of default. We can stop the wage garnishments, stop the collection calls, and stop the seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and see if we can help you reduce your student loan payments. One quick 10-minute call could solve them right now. So call the Student Loan Helpline now. 800-215-6813, 800-215-6813, 800-215-6813, 800-215-6813, 800-215-6813, 800-215-6813, 800-215-6813, 800-215-6813, 800-215-6813, 800-215-6813, 800-215-6813, 800-215-6813, 800-215-
Yeah, so, he's not going down there. Actually, he's going to go down Tuesday now. That was the update today. Too late. I know. You got to finish his golfing, Brian. I'm sorry. That's that's a little worse than uh, Bush just flying over because he couldn't land there anyway. There was no safe place to land. But, uh, yeah, Obama is there. Eh, eh. Well, let me guess. This is in the white part of town. So he doesn't care. And he's not going to help them. He's not supposed to, anyway. <clears throat> the administration guidance cited instances of d- discrimination in Gulf Coast states after Hurricane Katrina and Hurricane Rita in 2005, such as numerous media reports that showed images of African Americans, there's no such thing, black Americans stranded on roofs in New Orleans because they didn't get out when they were told. And because Ray Nagin, Ray Nagin there didn't didn't take the school buses that were they showed you in the parking lot that was all flooded. Well, he could have used those school buses to get them all out of there. Where was Ray Nagin? Where was Ray Nagin? It's because he's reneging. These images expose significant inequalities in access to emergency response and recovery efforts, said the guidance. The memo also cited an ad aimed at evacuees saying that the renter preferred two white females. Mr. Dreyer said such discrimination is wrong and Louisianans need to own our mistakes. But that residents need deep in rescue efforts don't appreciate being painted with the administration's broad brush. He quoted an email from a local named Jimmy who said, not many things get me seething, but this does. Calling Obamanus' administration officials dividers instead of uniters. Well, you just figuring that out now? Look no further than this guidance press release telling us in the middle of it to be sure not to be racist, y'all, said the email. Meanwhile, our president enjoys golfing and Martha's Vineyard and sunny skies. No visits, not even that reviled George W. Bush flyover. Just politically motivated, radically laced memos. Yep, where's the outrage? Oh yeah, right, he's a progressive and the progs own the media. Oh, we'll see, that's simple. Well, that's why it was kind of an up to me, because people are getting it now. They're like, stop talking down to me. You know, I mean, it took eight years, but... (laughs) We'll see. Well, and I wanted to play this little ditty that you had gotten for us. Then you should be here sitting down in the studio. I am. I'm right here, and it's right there. Can I play it? Why not? That's why we must leave these methods where they belong, in the past. They are not who we are, and they are not American. But as Americans, uh, that's not who we are. That's not who we are. That's not what we're about. Yeah, that's not who we are. 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 And not who we are. That's 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 not who we are. Because that's not who we are. 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 Yeah, that's not who we are. 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 It is not who we are. That's not who we are. That's not who we are. It's not who we are. That's not who we are. That's not who we are as a country. That's not who we are as a country. 
That's not who we are. That's not who we are. That's not right. That's not who we are. It's not right. It's not who we are. That's not right. Not who we are. It's not right. Not who we are. And that's not right. That's not who we are. It's also not who we are as Americans. That's not who we are. We are better than that. Okay, thank you, Obama. An ump from AtlantaBlackStar.com. Why would it be called the AtlantaBlackStar.com? Do they have an AtlantaWhiteStar.com? An AtlantaBrownStar.com? An AtlantaAsianStar? Because they're not really yellow. Okay, from that place. A multi-talented family has taken Boca Raton, Florida by storm with their incredible academic achievements. A family of 11 includes two teenage daughters who have graduated college with master's degrees and a mother who is an architect and an attorney. In July 30 profile, the Bush family reveals their secret to success. Homeschooling. The children have been homeschooled and have been immersed in the arts and sciences since they were very young. Gabrielle Bush tells National Broadcasting of Communisms Today that she wants everyone to have accessible health care. At just 19, the young woman is working in her chosen field after earning two degrees. Now, are they any relation to the other Bush family? <laughs> <laughs> no, but... I'm saying because Jeb's pretty, pretty much a dunce. Oh yeah, he couldn't he... have possibly be. And home that's school. funny too because he was uh, governor of Florida, and these people are from Florida. Yes, he was. The other thing, remember, we just did an article about home, the black community increasing in homeschooling. Yes. But what was their reason? See, this one is saying that it's a good thing because their kids are smarter than other kids. That other article was saying because it was racism that they were homeschooling their kids. Remember, you got pretty angry at it. <laughs> I try not to remember stuff like that. I don't. I know, because the whole article you turned into negative, which I agreed with you, because even though it was positive that they were homeschooling, the reasons that they were saying were outrageous. But this family isn't saying that. They're saying, woohoo! The kid's not going to get a good education from a racist family. That's what you said. However, her sister may have topped her, Grace Bush, 18, graduated college and high school at 16 and earned a master's degree at 18. She hopes to be a Supreme Court justice. See, nobody should hope that because it's it's not something you can work towards, really. I mean, it, there's no path to the Supreme Court other than politics, and you really... Really, at 18, you're going to start making your life full of that hatred and anger and just misery? It's just a horrible place. Who'd want to do that? And that's the only way you're a Supreme Court justice, when the president owes somebody something or you a favor, and that's how you get it. Really? Yes, that's how. It's that's nothing to do with your qualifications. And by the way, you don't have to be an attorney to be a Supreme Court justice. You don't have to have been a judge before either. You don't have to be any of that to be a judge, period. Well, that's state by state. Federal, yes. State by state, they have their own rules. Oh. Well, they don't have to hear. Some states appoint them, some states select them. Yeah, well, the judge, one of the Honestly, judge... they should be appointed because 
it, it's so good here with elections. Any place I've been with elections, you didn't you don't know who's running. You don't know the person. They don't they don't send you anything. Nothing. And you're you're supposed to vote for a judge based on what? I know nothing about him. I just never vote, or I write myself in. With Dayton, Judge Dayton, I write myself in every time because he always runs unopposed, and it pisses me off. He's a corrupt, crony piece of crap. Wow. Nice sentence. And if he ever hears that, I'll be, I'm sure, sided with... Something. <laughs> Misconduct. Disorderly. Disorderly. <laughs> right? No. What do they say when you... When they find you, yeah, so find you in contempt of court. I am in te- contempt of the court, and I don't believe that should come with a fine. Sorry, I have every reason to have contempt for the court. It's corrupt. Now, you had given me this article, and I forgot to put it in the copy. And you wanted to, I really wanted you to talk about this, because you were very adamant about this thing, <laughs> this article. So can you read it from there, or you want me to do it? Because it's a down. So why isn't it over here? I forgot to put it in when I was going through your links. Ah. All right, for military.com, again, if you listen to the last show, authorities say a Florida man, hey, it's our Florida man segment. (laughs) Authorities say, uh, look, it says it right there, a Florida man who was making a third attempt to reach Bermuda in an inflatable bubble Threatened to kill himself if the Coast Guard did not let him continue his journey. Uh, I, why would the Coast Guard let him continue his journey? Why does anybody care that he's out in the middle of an ocean in this inflatable, bubbly-looking thing? It's not really. It's not round. It's uh, it's flat like a tire. It looks it looks like a big tire, and he's inside it. Anyway, so he's minding his own business in the ocean there. And here comes the Coast Guard telling him he can't do it. Why not? Because maybe they were afraid they had to rescue him well, and they didn't want to spend the what money. If I, what if I wanted to swim to Bermuda? Who are they to tell me I can't do it? Just saying. Is it international waters? Is it... No, the Ghost Guard operates in uh, within... But that's 200 miles. 200 miles is from shore is our territorial waters. So, yeah, I'm sure he's in... That's what the Coast Guard patrols. So what? Again, is there a law that says you can't travel by inflatable bubble? I bet there isn't. So what are they? Why are they bothering him? It's not like he can hide anything. It's clear. Can, couldn't hide drugs in it. So what? Why do they care? Go, go. This is not his first attempt either. I know you got to finish reading it. The Sun Sentinel reports that 44-year-old long-distance runner Reza Balucci was stopped by the Coast Guard in July and committed to a Jacksonville psychiatric hospital for evaluation. He was released shortly thereafter. He threatened to kill himself with a knife. Hence, crazy land. You know, I can't read through black stuff. I don't know if you know that. It's not my... How come this don't... Oh, that's why. A Jacksonville Sheriff's Office... Her screen's all messed up. A Jacksonville Sheriff's Office report. Now, I told you when, you, when you're doing something like that, you think you're going to have a problem to shrink the screen, right? So it's not full screen. Okay. Anyway, the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office reports say, Bellucci had held a knife to his chest last month as authorities approached him about 90 miles off the coast of Jacksonville. 
There's your answer. Stop moving it. Bellucci told the newspaper Thursday he never threatened to kill himself. I bet he didn't. I bet he did. He thought that would keep him away. Stay back or I'll kill myself. What else was he going to do with the knife at his chest, Susan? I just don't trust this whole story. The Coast Guard had stopped Bellucci without incident on his two previous tries to reach Bermuda from Florida. He says he wants to raise money for abused children. Well, by all means, then, harass the man. He's a long-distance runner. He's running on water. Leave him alone. I know. That's why it was such a down, and that's why you had such this a cow. Goes to show you how little liberty we have in this country. Yeah, I, again, like you're saying, why would they even bother? What was he doing to anybody? He wasn't hurting anyone. Right? Right, but you need to sit up more. You're too far from the mic. Just scooch. <sighs> There's sun on me. I don't like scoot it. Scoot in. Scoot in. You won't have sun on you. All right, you got to push a button. I do. Do it. Let's get a grip on immigration in these great United States. It's high time that they never their numbers. It's high time to keep low Okay, thank you. Call Klein Klein with the K.com. And of course, that means it's time for the Illegal Alien Invasion Report. From WashingtonTimes.com. Again. Dot com. Four years after busting a massive asylum fraud ring in New York, federal agents still haven't revoked any of the 3,700 potentially bogus cases handled by the fraudsters. Raising questions about just how serious the Obama administration is in rooting out immigration scams. He doesn't care. Now, this is not Mexican either, Brian. No, I don't know what it is yet. It doesn't say now. Oh, it didn't we say can in the wait. beginning? We can wait. Oh, I thought yeah. I said it in the beginning. I'm sorry. You sit right next to me. You can't hear what I'm saying? How is that possible? I just said it. Just did a whole paragraph. All right. Chinese immigrants, often already living in the U.S. illegally, paid big money to have lawyers, translators, and even church officials concoct stories of forced abortions or persecutions back home because of their Christian beliefs, bamboozling officials into granting asylum. The FBI shut down the fraud ring in 2012, and many of the attorneys and their assistants have since pled guilty to their roles. But... All of those who were approved have not had their cases revisited, much less than their asylum revoked. The administration confirmed to Congress this summer. And again, what are they doing to him? What are they doing to the agency? Nothing. 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 They have all these hearings, all these committees, all this hoopla, and then nothing. Well, yeah, it's circus of bread. What do you want for Nothing. Despite this clear knowledge of massive asylum fraud, the Department of Injustice's refusal to open any of these cases demonstrates it, its effective endorsement 
of a tainted system that undermines the integrity of the asylum process and willfully ignores a significant national security vulnerability, said House Judiciary Committee Chairman Bob Goodlatte, a Virginia Republican who uncovered the administration's lack of action. And what are you going to do about it, Goodlatte? Don't know. You know, these people aren't all that. They keep touting how wonderful these Republicans are. They're not. I don't know who's touting that. Well, they're talking about how the who's the one no that, circles Gowdy. No circles I swing and say they're great. Gowdy was supposed to be the man. Yeah, he was, but he isn't. And Hillary's still running for president, isn't she? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't Trey supposed to do something about that? No, it wasn't politically motivated. But he I, should have he should have had a special prosecutor. There should have been grand jury indictments. Uh, should have done a lot of things, but they're not doing it, and they're not going to do it. And that's the that's just accept it. It's not going to happen. So There's been gonna... articles of impeachment written up that have been out there for years. And not once has it been brought up in the committee for a vote. Asylum is supposed to be granted to those already in the U.S. who prove they have reason to fear returning to their home countries, either because they have been persecuted or face real threats of persecution. Refugees, meanwhile, are those outside the country who apply to enter based on evidence of persecution. In recent years, thousands of people from Central America have jumped the border illegally and demanded asylum because of poverty and gang violence back home. Critics say the border surge has created more chances for fraud and that the Homeland Security Department and the Injustice Department, both of which have roles in granting asylum, are not doing enough to stop it. They're not, they don't want to stop it. The Government Accountability Office, the chief federal watchdog, released a devastating report in December saying Homeland Security still requires paper-based applications that make it tough to detect fraud. Neither Homeland Security nor Injustice is set up to consistently look for fraud, and neither department has conducted a risk assessment to spot vulnerabilities. Criminals, however, have spotted those vulnerabilities, and Mr. Goodlatte said as many as 70% of asylum applications show indications of fraud. The New York City ring, which spanned a number of law offices, was so adept at concocting convincing fake stories for Chinese immigrants that the federal investigators dubbed their bust operation Fiction Writer. The fraudsters would forge documents, make up backstories, and coach applicants on how to game the interviews with asylum officers. Investigators said applicants who claimed to have been forced to have abortions under China's one-child policy were even told to watch Chinese soap operas portraying women in that situation as a way of studying how to act. Wait a minute. Chinese soap operas? They yeah. have a place to watch Chinese soap operas? In I didn't China. Even, I didn't even know there was Chinese soap operas They have their own television. What do you think it was on? Oh, so this isn't over here. This is over there. Correct. Well, how could they be telling them to be do that if, if they were already they here? Because they fled that. They don't want to go back to that. Asylum applicants also paid for translators who helped coach them on how to beat the system and accompanied them to the official interviews to provide translation and would shape the applicants' testimony by failing to translate any inconsistent details. 
according to federal prosecutors who pursued the criminal cases against the fraud ring. Okay, why are they waiting for the feds? Didn't you say this is a state matter? What? <laughs> not to not to the people in power today. No, even the people that are listening are under the delusion that the national government's in charge of immigration, and they're not. But they are, because the states aren't doing it, and the federal government is doing it, even though it's not supposed to do it, because the Constitution doesn't grant them the power to do it. Please stop sending me things on uniform rules of naturalization. That has nothing to do with immigration. That has to do with immigrants becoming a citizen. That was for the states. That's why it's uniform. Off, uniform across all the states. They're going to be the same. Well, why would, that, why would the states be involved? Because the states are the ones that are supposed to decide what immigrants they want to bring in grant visas, stuff like that. But every state had its own rules for becoming citizens, and they wanted it to be the same because some, frankly, had very little requirements to be a citizen. Others had quite a lot required to be a citizen. And uh, so that's uniform rules of naturalization. That's all it's about. Nothing else. Nothing. And the whole notion that you, you missed the point of reading comprehension how could you have uniform rules of naturalization created by Congress for whom? If it if it's the executive branch, that's only one person. Why would it what's it being uniform with? It's being uniform because it's uniform amongst the states. They control immigration, not the national government. Okay, we can do a little bit of history on this. People get confused because they didn't realize that back in the day in colonial times and even after the United States uh, was independent after the revolution, the reason that they had immigrants coming over here and actually the uh, Massachusetts Bay Company and all the companies that got charters from the king to colonize uh, the colonies, the, the, the land, they would put out advertisements for people to come over because they needed people to live there. Otherwise, their charter would be null and void. That's how immigration started. Right? But it has nothing to do with the United States of America. Right, but even after the United States of America, they still wanted immigrants to come over because as they got more and more land, they wanted more and more people to colonize that or to you know, make it into a territory. And that's why you're saying some of the states had different rules. And the, when they did the, con the convention, they had to make the rules Amongst the states uniform because yeah, they knew are, more immigrants were coming over. You can't just do things like that. No, because under the Articles of Confederation, we were already the United States of America. And under the Articles of Confederation, which had a very weak central government that failed to perform and do what it needed to be done, that's why we had the convention. Then in convention, we were already the United States of America under the Articles of Confederation. They were already, states were already, they weren't states until we were the United States, right? Bringing them over here based on, like Susan, some, in the beginning it's for population, but later on it's for other reasons. Uh, maybe, maybe tradesmen might have a, right. a need for certain yes. tradesmen, yep. et cetera. And whatever the state wanted needed or needed, needed right. it, would, it would go, it would, it would reach out and say, come, come to America, come to the, come to Virginia and we'll, we'll make you rich. <laughs> all right um no so this is that's a good point so 
like you said, they had to make it uniform among the states. But right. it was it, still up to the states. But it should be, yeah, it should be up to the states when you think about it. Look, this government, what, what reason does it have for bringing immigrants into this country? Nothing, except to bring in poor socialist trash that are going to vote for Democrats and more commie programs. That's why. That's why they shouldn't be in control. See, legally, only the states can do it. So all that is illegal. And I got bad news for you. Uh, all, all those immigrants can be deported because... That's my second point, Brian. Can the states have the power? Because we're not supposed to be dealing with foreign governors, governments as a state, right? You don't deal with foreign governments, but you can sure deport people. Can you? Can the states do that? Yeah. How? Well, you take a take a C-130, you fill fill them all up with these illegal aliens, put static line packs on their back, and kick them out the back of the airplane when they're over their country. Okay. I know that's what you want to do, but I'm talking in legal terms. You could do that. It's often, there's no, what legal? There's no law about this, really. Okay, well, you know, we're, no one's going to throw people out at the back of a plane. It's not going to happen. Why not? They did that thing about... Uh, Operation Wetback, where they took them on a leaky ship on a long, horrible cruise to the Horn of Mexico. Right, but that was a fe- that was under the federal government. It wasn't under a state. That was under was who did that? That's because all, that was under Eisenhower because Eisenhower. The, they had already stolen the power, the power of immigration, right. but, but they didn't have it. Okay, but so but he used it anyway. And even so, when he used it, what did he do? He was mean to them. He treated them horribly. He want he didn't he didn't feed them well. They, they were suffering by the time they got there, and they never wanted to come back to America ever again. That was the point. And that's what we have to do now. Mark Brown, we have to be mean, politically incorrect, and make them never want to come back here again. If you just make it this pleasant little experience like they have now, when, oh, I'll just give you a waltz. i got to go to break. Chad Cooperative Radio Show. You stay tuned, because we'll be right back. <laughs> My name is Courtney Luster. I'm 21, well-educated, and unemployed American. I happen to be black, so I'm in the highest unemployment segment of the population, black youth unemployment. Notice I don't refer to myself as African American because I'm an American first. I'm a proud American who happens to have black skin. So please explain to me where African American fits into that equation. You're right, it doesn't. For over 60 years, the Democrat Party has used my fellow black Americans to maintain power in the federal and state governments. Why do I say that? Because I read history. While many of my friends are watching mindless videos, I choose to listen to Red State Talk Radio. Why? Because I want to educate myself, not entertain myself. Red State Talk Radio, America's premier conservative talk radio network. Hey, all you black American youth, be a Frederick Douglass Republican, not an Al Sharpton race pimp. Educate yourself. Listen to RedStateTalkRadio.com. And now, a message to freshman Tea Party back senators from Trent Lott and Lindsey Graham. Hello, this is Trent Lott. Uh, Lindsey and I just want you to know that we appreciate all that the Tea Party people did to bring you here to Washington. Yes, I love tea, and I dearly love parties. But now's the time we should all come together and sit down with the other side and listen to their ideas on how to move the country forward while we as Republicans take a step back and walk a mile in their shoes. Yeah, we love being Republicans, and we love conservative values, uh, probably as much as we'd love being liberal Democrats if the need ever arose. 
What Trent means is Republicans are always at our best when we ignore all the rhetoric and noise from back home and just do the right thing. The right thing? You know what I mean. Join Trent Lott and Lindsey Graham in bringing bipartisanship back to Washington. Five different budget plans on both ends of the ideological spectrum failed. Five budget plans failed in the Senate. Among them, a 99 to 0 vote defeating President Obama's $3.8 trillion budget request. The Democrats are afraid of their own shadow in the Senate. They even vote down their own president's budget. Only takes 51 votes to pass a budget. Democrats in the Senate refuse to be held accountable. Under the Democratic control of the Senate, for three straight years there hasn't been a budget. We haven't had one for three years. The result of no discipline for three years is you spend $10 trillion $400 billion. Our national debt is more than $15.6 trillion. Approaching the $16 trillion mark. $16 trillion worth of debt. It's the number one threat to our national security. The longer we wait, the more difficult the solution is going to be. The federal government is now twice the size it was in 2001. National unemployment has registered above 8% for the last 38 months. There's no way Barack Obama, with a straight face, can come before the American people and argue that somehow he has made things better than they were when he got here. The Obama economy isn't working for a lot of Americans. People across the country know what they want. They want a healthy economy. And the Obama economy is not a healthy economy. Most Americans have soured on the economy, and they've now soured on this president. 42% said he's made it worse. Independents by double digits think he made it worse. We're not where we should right. be. Obama made it worse. At a time when it's hard enough already to create jobs in America. Have policies that maximize economic growth. Supports our economy. Growing our economy. Build our economy. To help this economy grow. Create jobs. American jobs. Jumpstart the economy. Create jobs. We should be focusing on jobs and the economy. So if you're looking for a simple three-word description of the Democrat approach to the problems we face, it's this duck and cover. Okay, and welcome back to your Guapa Radio Show. Hour two. two. Can I make it's one? Too hot. I know. Can I make one I last? No point? strength left. Can I make one last point or pose one last question? Go ahead. In this day and age, right now, if somebody, if the Florida governor wanted to take all the illegal immigrants out of Florida, put them on a boat, and bring them back to wherever they came from, or just dump them in South America, nope, he couldn't do it. Nope. Because we haven't taken back the states yet. First, you have to take back the states so the federal government can be put on notice. You're not allowed in my state. Okay, so say we took back Florida. Would he be able to do it? Or because he's dealing with foreign entities, he couldn't? Of course he'd be able to do it. What is with you because he's dealing with foreign entities crap? I didn't say anything about foreign entities. Foreign governments of state. Not not foreign... individuals. Well, wouldn't he have to get permission from that country to bring those people there? Well, you know, it's a game they kind of play with the national government, but, you know, I never signed up for any game. And and I can't anyway, because as a state, you can't make agreements with 
any foreign entities. Um, I wouldn't ask their permission. I'd just dump them. Like human refuge. I might even put it in a dump truck, uh, a garbage truck to do it. Who knows? Yeah. You could be creative sometimes. You know? Everyone's freaking out. Well, I guarantee you they wouldn't want to come back when, I'm, when I was finished with them because they're not getting their favorite food. They're not going to get air conditioning either. I mean, this is going to be very uncomfortable deportation for them. Well, they didn't, again, they didn't ask permission to come into our state. They're here illegally. Therefore, we can do whatever we want to them uh, as far as getting rid of them. And no, I wouldn't ask the other countries. What, Mexico going to declare war because I dumped their people in Mexico? Let them declare war. What, do you think I'm worried about Mexico? That'd be stupid. Then I, then we'd end up annexing Mexico. Now, I don't want those poor people. That's people's... Oh, I, the solution is to make Mexico a state. Then we'd have a small border. Well, for the border, yes, that would be a solution to the border. To have it a bunch of uneducated, disease-ridden, third-world re people refuge in our country, uh, no, that would be horrible. They would all be citizens. And frankly, the national at that that at that point, the national government would be check and mate to the states. There's nothing at that point. There'd be nothing they could do. <clears throat> all right. Back to the story. <clears throat> One analyst told the New York Times during the time of the sting that most Chinese asylum, asylum cases in New York City were fraudulent. Despite the mountain of evidence, none of the 3,709 asylum cases approved by the Executive Office for Immigration Review that has associated with the ring has been reopened. Again, you're supposed to have nothing to do with immigration. Part of the problem is that responsibility is split among two departments and three agencies. U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, which is in Homeland Security and handles legal immigration cases, can grant asylum on initial review. The Executive Office for Immigration Review, which is under the Justice Injustice Department, Here's affirmative cases and appeals when USCIS doesn't grant asylum. U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, which is also in Homeland Security, is responsible for arguing those cases before the Executive Office for Immigration Review. And I hear I'm losing my voice. <clears throat> Probably because I've been dealing with tech support. <clears throat> Too much. <clears throat> Anyway, what was it? This stupid thing. Officials in the in that office said they were aware of the Chinese fraud ring and even helped the FBI and other federal investigators put together the criminal case. But the Immigration Review Office said it won't reopen those cases on its own and needs to wait for ICE to file a petition. DHS has the burden to provide evidence to demonstrate that fraud has occurred. Juan Piosuna, director of the Executive Office for Immigration Review, told Mr. Goodlatte in written answers to questions this summer. 
A congressional official disputed that, saying immigration judges at the review office can reopen cases on their own motions. The review office said its judges can repeat uh, report suspicions to the agency's fraud abuse and prevention program, but that department has only a single permanent lawyer and several other part-time or temporary employees to handle hundreds of thousands of cases. A full-time investigator is coming soon. The Executive Office for Immigration Review says, "No, it's not. Obamaus isn't going to do that because he doesn't want you to deport his his voters, his peeps. All, all the, they, they, they're my peeps." Mister Kudlat said, "The lack of resources is a sign that the government is more intent on improving, approving as many immigration applications as possible." ICE officials say they do not pay attention to fraud, but generally focus on the network's responsibility for sham applications. Once investigators complete their cases, they share their findings with USCIS and decide whether they want to try to revoke asylum. Regarding Operation Fiction Writer, ICE is continuing to work with USCIS to review cases for possible motions to reopen. In the meantime, the number of Chinese who are seeking asylum has plummeted since the bust from 10,481 petitions in 2011 to 1,757 in 2015. Still, the Executive Office for Immigration Review has built up a large backlog and is working its way through the cases. No, you're really not. Some 21,260 Chinese were granted asylum during those five years, and just 6,109 petitions were rejected. Meanwhile, the review office's fraud unit opened just three asylum fraud investigations in 2013 and only seven in 2014, the two years immediately after the New York City bust. Well, at least they're bust. Someone's busting. I don't know. Did they not read the memo from the White House? It seems I don't think they're supposed to be busted people. You're supposed to be encouraging it. But look at the tangle of bureaucracies they have to go through for this crap. Like everything else they do. We have nothing but giant bureaucracies with sub, 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 sub bureaucracies. It's like a spider web. Only a spider web makes more sense. It's like the blob. Because it keeps gobbling everything up. All right, from cnsnews.com. Obviously, I can't sing right now. (laughs) From CNS News. Uh, Senator Tim Kaine, Demon Craft, Virginia, today compared immigration to a blood transfusion for the country. Ah, the the vice presidential nominee has opened his mouth. He should take a page on Biden's playbook and shut the hell up. Oh, no, Biden. How could it be? If this is a a blood transfusion for the country, it's tainted with AIDS. I'm sorry. You can't take third world pieces of crap and tell me you're transfusing the country with what? Pray tell. Disease-ridden blood? Because that's what illegal aliens are. Stupid. 
Yeah, if we if we had a real immigration like we did way back in the day where we didn't take people that couldn't benefit this country and were not allowed at all to have any take any benefits after coming here. They were, they were barred from taking any benefits at all. They had to have sponsors. They had to go to night school to learn what they had to do for their citizenship test. Now it's all pieces of crap that come over here and live live off the rest of us. And that's supposed to be a transfusion. What immigration has done for Virginia is what it's done for the nation since its very first days. Came. No, because we weren't immigrants. There was no government here. We did not immigrate here. We emigrated from Europe. We colonized here. We didn't immigrate here, you buffoon. Sick of hearing people talk about this nonsense. And notice the quality of people we had over here compared to what's coming here south of the border, huh? And from war-torn Syria. You know the largest immigration group in our history, the beginning of our history, um, was Germans. We had a large German population in the colonies. Yep. That's where Christmas trees came from. Yep. <clears throat> well, you're having a hard time. Yep. It's been like the transfusion of fresh blood into the bloodstream that has continued to revitalize us and make us stronger. How are we stronger? Let's prepare, Let's compare the country, I don't know, in 1789 compared to the country today. Is it stronger or weaker? Oh, well, let's let's add, let's figure that out. How much money do we owe? Working on twenty trillion. We're weaker. I don't even have to go any further than that. We're weaker. The economy's in the tank. How are we doing education-wise? That was my next thing. Yeah. Again, doesn't compare. In the tank. Look. Poor. People that don't understand independence and individual liberty, they're not helping. They're destroying our country. They're not helping. How is Virginia stronger? Well, look who's who's the governor of, of Virginia now. Oh, that Democratic operative guy. How's their debt? They owe money? Oh, yeah, they do. Well, then they're weaker. Because, by the way... They violate the Constitution by borrowing money. Kane said that since the Supreme Court's decision not to uphold President Caesar Barack Obama's executive action giving the parents of children born in the United States or those of aliens given temporary protection from deportation by a separate executive action meant that people are living in fear. Good! Let them self-deport. Noting that, when he was born in 1958, 1 in 100 Virginians were foreign-born, and that number today is 1 in 9. Kane praised immigrants for helping to improve the state's economy and adding talented people to the population. Talented people! They can't read, they can't write. In their even, own language. Even in their own language. They had no inoculations. They have diseases they've brought back to this country that we had gotten rid of long ago. How, what are they doing positive for our country? Tell me. Because, I'm sorry, numbers don't mean squat. I don't care how many people we have in the country. As a matter of fact, I do. I'd like to have less, not more. 
some for holding off on all immigration for a few years. Let's let let's let it calm down a little bit. Yeah, let's not have any immigration and deportations instead. Oh no, then we're gonna you got to fix the immigration process. When we get back, when we take our states back, we take that from the from the national government. They don't have a say in it anymore. And then that state from which succeeded in doing so, all the way to the governor, uh, and had already reasserted its constitutional sovereignty. Now, now says nobody, no immigrants are welcome in my state that I haven't brought here. That this state hasn't brought here. They are not allowed to cross our sovereign border. If they do, they will be deported. And that's how that goes. And the same goes holds truth for the for, for the state that's saying that neither can their immigrants go to other states if they don't want them to. But anyway, let, let's let's get back to Kane. Something tells me this guy's going to be the gift that keeps giving. Ever since the balloons dropped, and he was just like, oh, balloons. What are you balloons, talking Oh, look at the balloons. What are you talking oh. about? <laughs> and he's kicking the balloons. Balloons. What are you talking about? I didn't see that. The what DNC. Happened? At the convention? convention? <clears throat> yep. At the end, they dropped balloons. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he was just like in wonder. His face is just, he looked like he looked like he's some kind of childish moron he probably is i saw a picture of killary and bill doing that was that them looking at the balloons going oh, up at the sky that was Kane. no i saw a picture of hillary and bill too they look pretty freaky they were looking up i just i couldn't stop looking at Kane. i have no idea what they were doing he <laughs> was like a train wreck i couldn't revert my eyes it was just I wanted to, but I couldn't. I was wondering what he was going to do next. What uh, trick? I mean, maybe fall off the stage and hurt somebody <laughs> or something. Uh, but no, you just see kept bobbleheading around, chasing balloons. It really looked ridiculous. This guy is going to be priceless. I'm telling you, right up, right up to the day they lose. Why is that the case? That an increasing number of foreign-born Virginians has combined with an Approving economy. So could you show me an approving economy? What the hell are you talking about? It's not an approving economy because you say so. Enough with the progressive sleight of hand and what Jedi mind trick nonsense. No, no, Caesar, it is not a fact. You're wrong. Stop saying it's a fact. You wouldn't know facts if they fell out your backside. It's the case for two reasons, and today's economy success is about talent. What the F are you talking about? It makes sense. And talent comes... Talent. You know how broad a statement talent is? People have talent in all kinds of things. They're very talented at breaking the law. They're very talented at living off welfare. They're very talented at making babies so they get more welfare. Is that the talent he's referring to? Must be, right? And by the way, when did Virginia's economy become good? And when did the national economy become good? Because nobody with half a brain has ever said that. Oh, right. Kane doesn't have half a brain. And talent comes in all skin colors, all national origins, irregardless of gender. Don't use big words. You might hurt yourself. 
Irregardless of religion. Why can't you just say regardless? Like a normal person. Irregardless of sexual orientation. You want talent, he said. Oh, no. When it comes to sexual orientation, they can keep their own freaks. We got enough of our own over here. Sorry. And what immigration has done for Virginia is what it's done for the nation since its very first days, he said. It's been like the transfusion of fresh blood. This isn't fresh blood. This is tainted blood. Into the bloodstream that has continued to revitalize us. We have gone downhill ever since 1928. The country has gone downhill since 1928. Severely. And no, coming back from the Great Depression, we still sucked. Because FDR messed up the Constitution. Did things the Constitution didn't allow for. And then on the other, everyone just accepts the national government can do whatever it wants. No, it can't. Not legally. You know, I should file papers with the uh, the court in The Hague. This, this government is in complete violation of our written contract. I wish to sue to nullify the government. That would be nifty. I might do that. You don't have the money. <laughs> They're going to charge me yeah. at the world court to yeah. file yeah, of course. to make a case that uh, this has to be looked into. This has to be stopped. They're in violation of the contract. And everyone currently in government must go. We will start from scratch. We'll see. I, 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 got, I don't know. If they, see, they're all progressive up there, so... They're not gonna. They're not gonna do anything about this. I could possibly make a case they wouldn't come up with a spin to say no, because they want, they want socialism. They want big governments, because this is gonna make it easier to move into the new world socialist world, world order. order. I can say it anyway, like new socialist world order or new world socialist order. I don't really care. Just say it. And what immigration has done? <laughs> Fresh blood. That has continued to revitalize us to make us strong. As a country, we're weaker, 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 and weaker. Not stronger, 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 stronger. We're, we're heading in the opposite direction. Typical. Prague's just constantly spin everything the opposite way. And what, like I said, the only talent I can see in these third world pieces of crap is that they're good at making babies and sucking up all our tax dollars. How is that good for the economy? We have enough. We have 95 million American citizens out of work. Why do we need immigrants? Simple math. Let's not do Common Core. 95 million Americans out of work. Do we need immigration? Do we need immigrants, ladies and gentlemen? At this point in time, do we need immigrants in this country? Oh, don't make the thing about the white people aren't reproduced. Blah 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 blah. And, and same in Europe. I, Pound sand. We got plenty of white people, uh, so it's not an issue. And, and I'm not talking about skin color anyway. I'm talking about immigrants. There's a difference. Skin color doesn't matter. Immigrant immigrants coming here illegally that matters. And when they're illiterate, poor, with no real talent for producing anything. Just as education is about growing talent. No, it isn't. 1826, I think it was. 
The president, other than there was no union, the teachers association said that their job was not to educate, but to indoctrinate so that they think their parents and grandparents are idiots and, and that collectivism is more important than rugged individualism. It was a speech. I read it on air. 1826. So there is no education. There's only indoctrination. My, and now mind-twisting common core. So, again, he's going to repeat this word talent a hundred times. He's going to say nothing. He has said nothing except they're talented. How, what the heck are you talking? How could people c- coming here illegally, how could all of them be talented? Well, why aren't they, I don't know, why aren't they singing with the stars or something? Dancing with the stars and voice. Why and... aren't they talented in their own country? Why are they yeah, only talented Yeah, if they're talented, talented why would the country want to let them go? Thank you. Why do, are they only talented when they come here? Because they're not talented. Talent is a broad term that he, you can use. Just you, It's one of the things you can't contradict because it can mean anything. Maybe they're talented at making burritos. <laughs> or tortillas. Or rice and beans. Well, and that's the thing that you always say. That's why we or play, killing people. That's why we played that clip and you found it about Obama because you're saying that these progs they use broad terms that can they can use it for anything without that, meaning. Well, anything. that specific thing is designed to make sure it's a, it's actually has a word in in debating. You can't really debate that, and so you're kind of stuck we're when he says about stuff like that. That that not American. That's right. what we're talking about. Right. Stop putting that chair underneath the desk, please. Now, back to the story. And what immigration has done for Virginia is what it's done for the nation since its very first days, he said. It's been like the transfusion of fresh blood into the bloodstream that has continued to revitalize us. He added that the second reason is because the United States is part of a global economy. There's glo- he's See, Stoop, he made a mistake. He got a script. Talent, you can say it all day. Global, and eh, we don't want global. We don't want a global economy. That doesn't benefit the United States of America. Sorry. We're not part of the global economy. Of course, everybody's part of the global economy because when we have trade, we trade amongst the different countries. So in that way, we're all connected. But that's not what he's, he's talking about, the global economy, the new world order. That that H.W. was talking about, H.W. Bush. So he's talking about the the new world order, the the economy. That's why we have no real manufacturing here. America's, see, if you think about it globally, it doesn't matter to them that America's not manufacturing. Somebody else is. Another country's taking over manufacturing or other countries, and that's that's how the global economy works. We're going to be like service people. That's all. We're going to be waiters, waitresses, bartenders, all uh, you know, fast food jockeys, all the stuff for all the people, the tourists to come to America, and we'll be waiting on them hand and foot like good little servants that we are. With that, we're going to go to a break. So, Cooperative Radio Show, you stay tuned, cause we'll be right back. <laughs> Socialists, you will be assimilated. 
your individual liberties, personal freedoms, and mental individuality will be added to our own. Resistance is futile. The following message is brought to you by Health Markets, your first choice when you need health insurance for your small business. Do you offer health insurance to your employees? Call us now and see if you can save money. Do you want to offer vision and dental to your employees? Call us. Do you think you're paying too much for your current health insurance? Call us. Do you want somebody else to do all the legwork and search thousands of health plans from over 180 health insurance companies nationwide? Call us. We're Health Markets, and thanks to a little-known solution, we could help your business save thousands of dollars on health insurance costs and save your employees money, too. Our service is free. Don't miss the great savings. Call now. 800-862-0336. 800-862-0336. That's 800-862-0336. Markets Insurance Agency is DBA of InSphere Insurance Solutions, Inc. Licensed in all states. Product availability varies. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 network today. We'll get them off your back. 800-511-3024-800-511-3024-800-511-3024-800-511-3024. What is term life insurance? It's basically a financial protection plan for your family if you pass away. It can be a hard purchase. Think about it. It's one of the few major purchases you can make that you will personally never use. But you've got to have it to protect your family. And you owe it to yourself to shop and compare to get the best possible rates. For term life insurance policies of $500,000 or more, call the term lifeline today at 800-430-1891. 800-430-1891. See if you qualify for up to $1 million in coverage for as little as $3 a day. We'll gladly compare multiple carriers to get you the best possible rates. So call now. 800-430-1891. Sample rate cited requires qualifying medically in the preferred non-tobacco rate class. If you are struggling to pay or haven't been making your student loan payments, listen carefully to this urgent alert. Have you been out of school for 10 or more years and you're still making your student loan payments? Are your student loans past due or even in default? Can't go back to school because of an old student loan problem? We can help you if you qualify. Your student loans can be taken out of default. We can stop the wage garnishments, stop the collection calls, and stop the seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and see if we can help you reduce your student loan payments. One quick 10-minute call could solve them right now. So call the Student Loan Helpline now. 800-215-6813. 
This is a fee-based document preparation service to help you access free government programs. Call for complete details. Not available in all states. Welcome back to the Uncooperative Radio Show. Hour half of one. Two. Two? Two. Oh my God, it's hour half of two already? Two. <laughs> yes, two. That's too fast. Okay, moving along. The church that changed American history and the war on white people. The church that changed American history from World Debt Daily. 300,000 miles on horseback from the Atlantic to the Appalachians, from Maine to the Gulf of Mexico. For 45 years, he spread the gospel. This was Francis Asbury, Methodist circus writing preacher who was born August 20th, 1745. This is a really good history lesson, but you're going to have to explain a lot of this to the folks because they really don't know all this information at all. No one taught it to them or me. In 1771, John Wesley sent Francis Asbury, age 26, to minister in America. When the revolution began, Asbury was the only Methodist Anglican minister to remain, as he refused to return with the other Anglican ministers to England, stating, I can by no means agree to leave such a field for gathering souls to Christ as we have in America. Francis Asbury preached over 16,000 sermons in churches, town squares, and courthouses, addressing everyone he met, from travelers to workers in the fields to laborers in tobacco houses. He rode an average of 6,000 miles a year. Francis Asbury's leadership resulted in the Methodist Church in America growing from 1,200 people to 214,000 with 700 ordained ministers. Prior to the Revolution, the Anglican Church, which is the Church of England, had ministers in most colonies, with it being the official established state church in Virginia, 1609, New York, 1693, Maryland, 1702, South Carolina, 1706, North Carolina, 1730, Georgia, 1758. As the King of England was the head of the Anglican Church, when the revolution began, Anglican pastors faced a crisis of conscience having to choose between allegiance to the state or siding with American independence. On July the 9th, 1776. If you have a question, you have to come in here and ask it. On July the 9th, 1776. Patriots in New York pulled down the statue of King George. In 1777, British General Howe invaded Philadelphia and imprisoned Reverend Jacob Duchesne, the Anglican chaplain of the Continental Congress, and undoubtedly pressured him to abandon the American cause. Several American colonies made it an act of treason for pastors to continue continued stay, saying public prayers for the king. 
1784, 81-year-old John Wesley appointed Francis Asbury and Thomas Cook, Thomas Cook, to oversee the Methodist revival movement in America. In 1784, Reverend Samuel Seabury of Connecticut sought consecration as an Anglican bishop, but could not take the oath of supremacy to the king. Bishops in Scotland, anyway, the Anglican Church uh, is the Episcopalian Church here, I believe. Bishops in Scotland agreed to consecrate Seabury, and in 1785, Bishop Seabury began ordaining ministers in Connecticut, leading to the beginning of, oh yeah, Episcopal Church in America. In 1785, Francis Asbury separated the Methodist revival movement away from the Anglican Episcopal Church to form its own denomination, the Methodist Episcopal Church. This had tremendous political impact in Virginia, as the Anglican Church had been the officially established state church since the colony's founding charter in 1606. Yes, they uh, they had official churches uh, in the colonies. Well, yeah, and how did if, I wanted you to explain, in case they're not knowing, how the Church of how Eng he was a general. No, the Church of England came to be. Again, Church of England came to be because the King of England kept asking the Catholic Church for divorces. Catholic Church was the official church of well, all the European countries. So, I forget which wife it was, number seven, I think. I don't know. He kept, you know, he'd get his divorce and cut off her, he'd cut off their head. <laughs> and uh, the, the Catholic Church finally said, no more. No. We can't, we're not going to do it. So, he kicked the Catholic Church out of England and created the Anglican Church, the official church of England, and he, the king, as head of said church, which is sort of a theocracy, but no, because of the monarchy, it's not a theocracy. It's kind of weird. But it is confusing, Brian. A theocracy is Islam, but it is theocratic in nature. If there's a, if the, he is the head of the church and the church is him, that and that's the only religion they're allowed in England, then that he tried to make a theocratic state. It was a hybrid, though, with the monarchy, and it didn't didn't fit, and the people, you know, did stuff on the sly. They weren't going to become part of the Anglican Church. Uh, they can't have a king before their god. That's a no-no. It's one of the big ones. So, yeah, they couldn't, they couldn't swear the oath to the king because that would be a false idol, a false god. Anyway, that's why they all came here. To get away from that. Yep. And then uh, the Protestants came here because, because of the uh, Spanish Inquisition. At the end, one of the bishops went completely bonkers and decided all infidels had to be gotten rid of in Spain. This was one, uh, the original Spanish Inquisition was about getting rid of Muslims that had invaded their country. That's why the Crusades happened. Well, you bring this up. But when they went after the Protestants, the Protestants came here, see? 
They left Spain and came here. Well, so, it's important that you say this because people have no idea because of what the Prague teller and everyone, what the Crusades were about, what the you know, Inquisition was really about. Yeah, it was about fuzzy fuzzies. That's why these, everyone says, oh, the horrible Crusades. No, the horrible Muslims that decided they were going to conquer the world. And even after the Pope turned a blind eye to what they did to taking the Holy Land, they kept coming until, until they said enough. They had made it all the way to the Cordoba, where the Cordoba Mosque is in Spain. Now we have one here. They changed the name of it because it was too, because we brought out what it meant. So they changed it to the Muslim Interfaith thing, Civic Center. But yeah, basically we have a mosque at Ground Zero. Another victory mosque. That's what they do. They put plate. They build their mosque where they have victories. That's why the Cordoba Mosque is there. That's why the mosque is there in Manhattan, right? And as a matter of fact, in the building where one of the landing gear fell through the roof of. Yeah, that's but, how that's how nine one one it is. That is ground zero. I'm sorry. And that's what they think, Brian. I know that's what they think. I wish everybody would wake up and get their PCness away. First of all, again, this is why words suck in the Bill of Rights. It, when they say religion, they only understood Christian. Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, uh, Anglican, the Christian denominations. And Judaism, and that's it. And they weren't, they didn't really like Judaism either, because obviously they were all Christians and it was a Christian nation, and they haven't accepted Christ, so in their eyes, they were going to hell. So there wasn't a lot of Jews here either, but they were here. And we didn't, we didn't do anything, they just kept to themselves. <clears throat> but do understand, Islam is not just a religion, and it's certainly was never intended to apply to them. If they hadn't have written the Bill of Rights, we wouldn't have had to have this conversation. Madison was against it, and I was against it. It changed the Constitution in a way that people used to confuse everybody. Okay, we don't get our rights from the Constitution. We don't get our rights from the government. They get their power from us, not the other way around. Constitution tells the government what it can do, except in, uh, like, Article 1, Section 9, where under the Articles of Confederation, these were these were problems, and they wanted it addressed, and so it, it spelled it out in plain English, what they couldn't do. That, that, and nothing else, like, it's nothing else. Even in states where it says they can't do in the Constitution, that's, that's it. That's the only limit to state power is what's in that article that says the states can't do this, the states can't do that. Uh, anyway. The bottom, the bottom line is the Constitution wasn't supposed to list every right they had or grant any rights to we the people. The right way to look at the Bill of Rights, it was an extra protection that was unnecessary, redundant, and problematic. For many reasons. And I don't know how many people think the Constitution is the Bill of Rights. They think that's the whole Constitution. I'm like, no. There's more. In fact, that's not needed. 
extra protection for stuff they weren't they already were not allowed to do because the constitution didn't say they could do it but now they they violated all of the bill of rights see how did that help how did the bill of rights help oh let's have a convention of states and make more words they don't they don't follow the constitution now what are war words going to do they are violating the constitution everybody with a brain knows that so are they going to violate any additional amendments you add to the Constitution? What are you, special? we got special powers? You have to enforce it. Without the people having knowledge of the Constitution and our founding and liberty and independence, small national government, that, without that, it doesn't matter what the Constitution says because it's our job to enforce it, and we haven't. And now we're at a point where you want to you amend the Constitution to enforce it? Now, come on. Who's going to enforce the amendment? You're not enforcing the Constitution now. The amendments, all the, ones that are, all the amendments that have been brought up are unnecessary, and not to mention dangerous as hell. But they are unnecessary. The Constitution isn't broken. It is damaged by the 16th and 17th and 14th Amendment, and yes, we'll we'll address that, and we'll repeal those. And if you wanted to have a convention of the state just for repealing amendments, I'd be all for that. But how do you do that? Once they're in convention, there's no rules. This notion that Mark Levin keeps saying, it can't be hijacked. Well, how is that possible, Mark Levin? The first one was hijacked. 19, the 1787 convention in Philadelphia... That's called the Constitutional Convention, where it was created. Wasn't they weren't sent there to create a whole new government? They were sent there to amend the Articles of Confederation. That's why the New York delegation walked out in the beginning because they couldn't get authorization to go any further and changing uh, changing it in such a way. That's rewriting it. Once they knew that it it was kind of obvious the way it was going. Uh, they said they couldn't be part of that, and they left. Except for Alexander Hamilton, piece of crap. He sat around and made mischief. Uh, but even then, it was only supposed to amend the Articles of Confederation. And under the Articles of Confederation, it requires a unanimous vote by the states to change it. Now, two problems. They didn't just amend the Articles of Confederation, now, did they, ladies and gentlemen? No, they created a whole new government. But that's not what they were originally sent there to do. So again, tell tell me how I, I wish I, I I wish I could talk to him. Tell me how you come up with these notions, because you got some crazy ideas in your head. Those liberty amendments, among them, I think that was the beginning of his meltdown. I just he doesn't he's not the same Mark Levin anymore. I, can't, I just don't know. It's sad because I can't listen. I, I turn them on right. Yeah, take about a half hour. I got to turn it off. But anyway, back to the article. But yes, of course, it can be hijacked, as the first one was hijacked. Although I don't call it hijacking. Also, the ratification for the Constitution didn't require unanimous vote by the states. Uh, only required nine states. And I said it during the show. If you go listen to Patriots Pub, PatriotsPub.us. PatriotsPub.us, U.S. history, the founding fathers, just the facts. 
We go through the Constitutional Convention day by day, using James Madison's official notes, four months' worth. The whole project took three and a half years, and it's absolutely free. Please listen from episode one. It's also free to share, copy, as long as you're not making money off of it. If you're going to share it, especially for educational purposes, we have done on the show, on air, waived our copyright rights for that purpose. And if you want to, uh, you want to learn about women of the revolution, you can go see Susan's show over at TalkShoe.com. Women of the revolution at TalkShoe.com. In 1785, Francis Asbury separated the Methodist revival movement away from the Anglican Episcopal Church to form its own denomination, the Methodist Episcopal Church. Wait, <laughs> instead of the Anglican, it's the instead of the Anglican hyphen Episcopal, it's the Methodist Episcopal Church. This had tremendous political impact in Virginia, as the Anglican Church had been the official established state church since the colony's founding charter in 1606. In 1786, with Americans having just fought a war of independence from the king, the Virginia Assembly was faced with the decision of whether they should replace the established Anglican Church with the new Episcopal Church, or to disestablish it altogether and not have an official state church in Virginia. Do you want to explain what all the controversy around Thomas Jefferson telling one of because this is around the same time that the colonies were uh, struggling with what they were going to do as far as church goes. Were they going to declare? They weren't struggling with anything. Well, it was a new nation, just, and no, they weren't struggling with anything. It either worked or it didn't. If it didn't work, they got rid of it. And what did Jefferson write in his famous letter? I don't even want to talk about his famous letter because it has nothing to do with the federal constitution. It has to do. It was just a letter to the Danbury Baptist. About uh, about the Danbury Baptist with uh, what, what was it? Were they were the Puritan Church? I don't remember. Danbury, Connecticut. Who is it? Who is the church? Oh, whatever official church was, I can't remember. Well, that's what this just said. You had you couldn't be a member of the state legislature unless you were part of the official church. So you couldn't be in office. You you have no voice, no nothing. And that's what he was writing about, that they should consider that there should be a wall, a separation between church and state, meaning that not, not necessarily mean you couldn't have official church, but barring people not of that faith that are citizens of your colony or citizens of England, that are rights because you have a different religion, that's discrimination. But anyway, it's a famous letter. You can look it up and you can read it for yourself. Thomas Jefferson to the Danbury Baptist. And this is what, that's what it said, that last sentence, Brian. It said oh, to disestablish it altogether and not have an official state church in Virginia. It said or. It was an option. They didn't say they did it. Oh, okay. But they were thinking about having a state church, official state they church. They wanted to switch. They already had official state church. Jesus, it was the last sentence. I know, but you're saying that Jefferson was telling the Danbury Baptists in Connecticut you can't have an official state church. Yeah, but not, this is later. Was later? Later. Okay. You can look it up. Danbury, just look up Thomas Jefferson, Danbury Baptists. And I'm sure it'll come up and you'll see what year it was and everything. We've got plenty of bandwidth right now. Might as well use it. 
Oh, you want me to do it? I thought you were telling the folks. Oh, no. <laughs> um, no, I'm saying it's, it's not their job. It's your job. They can, of course, look up whatever they want. With Francis Asbury having separated the Methodist movement from the Anglican Episcopal Church, there were not enough Episcopal members in the Virginia legislature to vote for that church to be the established church. In 1786, Virginia officially de-established the Anglican Episcopal Church, thereby allowing other denominations to be treated equally. In 1786, Reverend William Smith of Maryland and Reverend William White of Philadelphia proposed a revised Book of Common Prayer, where references to the king were replaced with references to Congress. Okay, I found it. It was January 1st, 1802. So, before this. Okay, yeah. Danbury Baptist Association of Connecticut wrote to President Thomas Jefferson on October 17th, 1801, and he replied on January 1st, 1802. Oh, you said 17 what? 18. Ah, you said 1801. 18. I thought you said 1701. No, 1801. No, I was right. It was later. It's later. Yep, it is. But they were struggling. We were already this. living under the Constitution. Right, we were. And notice the date. We were under the Constitution, and there was official Church of Connecticut. Why? Because the Constitution didn't apply to the states, except where expressly stated. It only had to do with the federal government. And all those protect, extra protections were protections only applied to the federal government. The federal constitution was always just about the federal government until the courts got involved. All right, so where was I? Uh, Congress. Britain passed a Consecration of Bishops Abroad Act of 1786, which allowed Anglican archbishops to consecrate in 1787 American bishops... Samuel Provost, or is it Provost, of New York, who served as the first chaplain of the U.S. Senate, and William White of Philadelphia, who served as the second chaplain of the U.S. Senate. Look at that, chaplains in the government. And guess what? There still is a chaplain. And they still pray at opening sessions of Congress. I don't, But you can't pray in church. It makes no sense to me, even though... The whole notion that you can't express your faith any way you want in this country is obnoxious, to say the least. The fact that Christians have to mind their P's and Q's and stay out of the public square, and Muslims can do whatever they want. Yeah. Um, okay. In 1789. Okay, now, 1789 is where the Constitution goes into effect. It was ratified in 1788, but didn't go into effect until 1789, so we did not live under the Constitution until 1789, in case anybody wants to make a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and we got to go to break. Some cooperative radio show you stay tuned, cause we'll be right back. <laughs> When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with one another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitles them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes 
which impel them to the separation. Read the Declaration of Independence. It's an old document that never grows old. This has been a public service announcement from the Uncooperative Radio Show. Are you a city-dwelling liberal who loves the environment? Do you cry every night because you feel that global warming will destroy the earth by the time you wake up? Is your only goal in life to smash the George Bush and Dick Cheney evil oil empire? And is Al Gore your arch-magi of all that is green? Then do we have a solution for you! Yes, liberals, here's your chance to do your part to change America from a freedom-loving republic to a communist-socialist paradise. Just walk, bike, or drive your carbon-graded vehicle to the uncooperative moped dealership. We carry an assortment of diverse and politically correct mopeds in every style and color, liberal smell not included. Our dealership knows the importance of stopping global warming and defeating the warmongering conservative from taking over the world by getting rid of all the cars, SUVs, light trucks, and pickup trucks, and soccer mom vans from our city streets. So drive your patchouli-loving ass out of the gas-guzzling, environmentally-destroying, mechanically-driven device today and onto one of our fully-loaded mopeds. Al Gore will be glad you did. Woo! I don't know if this is a good idea, son. Using funk. But, Dad, we gotta reach out to our face somehow. Besides, I love James Brown. What will your mother think? The border goes from coast to coast. Easy to get into here. We got intercontinental overload. Just slip under the fence. It don't make any sense. When there's no documentation, that's too far. And somehow or some way we're gonna find out who you are. Sneaking in America. Trying to hide from immigration. Sneaking in America. Across the nation, sneaking in America. Got to have some legislation. Welcome to the Red State Cafe. My name's Darla. You ready to order, sweetie? Your omelets are made with organic eggs, right? They come from a chicken's ass. That organic enough for you, sugar? Uh, what's your pork? Is it steroid-free? It is by the time Chef Earl is done with it, honey. Well, how about your chicken fried steak? That's made with free-range chicken, right? Free-range? We can't afford to give it away, darling. Look, I don't see it on the menu, but can you just make me a progressive omelet? <laughs> Sugar, you're in the wrong restaurant. You use my middle name. What a nasty campaign. I'm not ashamed of my middle name. It rhymes with change. Bahrain and John Wayne. I'm the next JFK. But just call me B.O. today. Can you refrain from using my middle name? Now let me explain. It causes Oprah stress and strain. I believe we can collectively come together and change. Now just as there was in Teddy Roosevelt's time, 
There is a certain crowd in Washington who for the last few decades have said, let's respond to this economic challenge with the same old tune. The market will take care of everything, they tell us. If, if we just cut more regulations and cut more taxes, especially for the wealthy, our economy will grow stronger. Now, it's a simple theory. And, and we have to admit, it, it's one that speaks to our rugged individualism and our healthy skepticism of too much government. That's, that's in America's DNA. And that theory fits well on a bumper sticker. <laughs> but here's the problem. It doesn't work. It has never worked. Say that out loud because everyone will switch over. Back to the story. In super Yes, in 1789, Episcopal clergy met in Philadelphia to ratify the initial constitution of the Episcopal Church in America. Nearly one fourth of all U.S. presidents were Episcopalian, more than any other denomination, followed by Presbyterian. The fourth, uh, the fourth Episcopal bishop in America, and the first in Virginia, was Bishop James Madison, cousin of fellow Virginian James Madison, the fourth U.S. president. Now, notice the theme here. Number one, they're all Christians. And what faith is abominous? Muslim. Well, but no, he says he's a Christian, really. Which, what Christian faith? He's never Muslim. said. You don't have to. You could just be Christian, like evangelicals, born-again Christians. Well, what church did he belong to? Reverend Wright, or as I called him, Reverend Wrong. And what was that? Baptist church, wasn't it? It was, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what denomination it was. I know. It was, it was all about that black the- uh, theology. Uh, that's what I'm saying. We've never heard what denomination he is. It doesn't matter. He's, so is it, he was born a Muslim. He took. He has a Muslim name. He wears the Shia. The, the thing you say when you first. You have to say when you first become a Muslim. The Shahada. Shah, shah, well, we say it right. It. I don't care about it right now. I can't see it, which means I can't say it. I can't see it in my brain. I I'm just tired. My, my head's tired. My brain's tired. Anyway, what was I saying? That those were all Christians. We're all Christians. <laughs> right. Oh, no. That was the Shahada for a bit on his wedding ring. That is something he chose to have engraved on his wedding ring. He's a Muslim. Look at how he protects the Muslim Brotherhood. Look at how many, look at how many places, how they've infiltrated the government. 
Islam is evil, and it's all you need to know. Where was I here? James Madison. Thus, the revolution resulted in an Anglican church giving birth to the Episcopal church, which gave birth to the Methodist Episcopal church. During the previous two centuries, Presbyterians, Congregationalists, Puritans, Pilgrims, Separatists, Quakers, and Baptists went through their own experiences of separation from the Anglican Church. Methodist Bishop Francis Asbury befriended Richard Bassett, a singer of the, Cons- the U.S. Constitution, singer, a signer of the U.S. Constitution. Richard Bassett converted to being a Methodist, freed his slaves, paid them as hired labor, and rode joyfully with them to revival meetings. Shortly after being sworn... Oh, look at the evil slave owners. Shortly after being sworn in as the first president, George Washington was visited in New York on May 19, 1789 by the first two Methodist bishops in America, Francis Asbury and Thomas Koch who delivered the message, we express to you our sincere congratulations on your appointment to the presidentship. <laughs> the presidentship of these states. We place as full a confidence in your wisdom and integrity for the preservation of those civil and religious liberties which have been transmitted to us by the providence of God. Dependence on the great governor of the universe, which you have repeatedly expressed, acknowledging him, the source of every blessing, and particularly of the most excellent constitution of these United States, which is at present the admiration of the world. Bishop Asbury continued, We enjoy a holy expectation that you will always prove a faithful and partial patron of genuine, vital religion and grand end of our creation and present probationary existence. We promise you our fervent prayers to the throne of grace that God Almighty may endue you. Well, should have been imbue, endue you with all the graces and gifts of His Holy Spirit that may enable you to fill up your important station to His glory. On May 29, 1789, President Washington wrote a reply. To the bishops of the Methodist Episcopal Church, I return to you my thanks for the demonstrations of affection and the expressions of joy on my late appointment. It shall still be my endeavor to contribute towards the preservation of the civil and religious liberties of the American people. I hope by the assistance of divine providence, not altogether to disappoint the confidence which you have been pleased to repose in me, in acknowledgments of homage to the great governor of the universe. Washington continued, I trust the people of every denomination will have every occasion to be convinced that I shall always strive to prove a faithful and impartial patron of genuine, vital religion. I take in the kindest part the promise you make of presenting your prayers at the throne of grace for me, and that I likewise implore the divine benediction on yourselves and your religious community. In 1799, Francis Asbury ordained the first African-American method. There was no such term as African-American in 1799. So there could not be an African Methodist Episcopal... 
How can there be an African Episcopal church? Oh. Francis Asbury's carriage driver was Black Harry Hosier. Though illiterate, Hosier listened to Francis Asbury's sermons and memorized long passages of scripture. Black Harry Hosier became one of the country's most popular preachers, drawing crowds in Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Boston, Connecticut, Philadelphia, Delaware, Baltimore, and New York. Hosier rejected slavery, lifted up the common working man, and charged audiences that they must be holy. Even the rooster. Hosier's popularity gave birth to the name Hoosier, being used to refer to persons of humble birth who firmly held Bible values as the settlers who crossed the Ohio River to the Indiana shore. And where are who, what's the Hoosier state now? Isn't it in Indiana? I don't know. I think that's what they're saying. Some, somewhere there. Yeah, that's what they're saying. Because I was wondering where that term came from. We've actually talked about it a couple times. Like, I wonder what it means. Well, this is where it came from. See, pen and paper, ladies and gentlemen. You have to write this stuff down. This is educational. <laughs> you're talking softly, but far away. If you talk soft, be over here like this. Okay, President Calvin Coolidge unveiled an equestrian statue of Francis Asbury in Washington, D.C., 1924, stating Francis Asbury, the first American bishop of the Methodist Episcopal Church, made a tremendous contribution. Coolidge continued, Our government rests upon religion. It is from that source that we derive our reverence for truth and justice, for equality and liberty, and for the rights of mankind. Unless the people believe in these principles, they cannot believe in our government. Calling the people to righteousness was a direct preparation for self-government. It was for a continuation of this work that Francis Asbury was raised up. Coolidge continued, The government of a country never acts ahead of the religion of a country. There is no way by which we can substitute the authority of law for the virtue of man. Real reforms, which society in these days is seeking, will come as a result of our religious convictions or they will not come at all. Peace, justice, humanity, charity, these cannot be legislated into being. They are the result of a divine grace. Coolidge continued about Francis Asbury. Harding Coolidge, best presidents in the 20th century. Frontier mothers must have brought their children to him to receive his blessings. It is more than probable that Nancy Hanks, the mother of Lincoln, had heard of him in her youth. Adams and Jefferson must have known him, and Jackson must have seen in him a flaming spirit as unconquerable as his own. He is entitled to rank as one of the builders of our nation on the foundation of a religious civilization which he sought to build. Our country has enjoyed greater blessing of liberty and prosperity than was ever before the lot of man. These cannot continue if we neglect the work which he did. 
Coolidge concluded, we cannot depend on the government to do the work of religion. I do not, I do not see how anyone could recount the story of this early bishop without feeling a renewed faith in our own country. Here, here, another prime example that our country was founded by Christians and was a Christian state and that the government was Christian. Because the people of the government were Christian. And it was the Christian values of these Christians that made the country what it is. Christian. Now we're secular. And we're crap. The country's in the toilet because we have pushed God away. When people spoke like this, Hardy Coolidge, that was the Roaring Twenties. They created the Roaring Twenties. We are and need to be a religious nation. As Paine said, Thomas Paine, after witnessing the French Revolution, that no government could serve man without God. And and Thomas Paine converted. Well, he was at the very least a deist. But I haven't studied enough to care to find out if he converted to Christianity or not. I was just happy he was a deist. He believes in God? That works for me. See, he wrote that book saying anyone believed in God was a moron. Then he wrote a book and pretty much anyone that wasn't did believe in God was a moron. <laughs> Rights of man and uh, common sense. The war on white people. That's the only thing I can think of. From, from, from Fox News. An academic and author is offering courses for white people, teaching them how to cope with their white fragility. Well, I thought we had white privilege. Now we have white fragility? And tickets for the lectures have sold out. The city of Seattle is offering the class through the Office of Arts and Culture with Dr. Robin D'Angelo taking students through the course. The workshop, which cost $60 to attend and had its first four-hour session on Wednesday night, focused on the specific way that racism manifests through white fragility and provides the perspectives and skills needed for white people to have more constructive cross-racial interactions. Oh my God, puke. The Office of Arts and Culture also defines white fragility as the inability for white people to tolerate racial stress. What the heck is racial stress? Brian, they, make, it... up, they make up labels. All the time. What's racial stress? That's a new label. I don't know what the hell he's, I don't know what he's talking about. Look, we he, have... Been... Oh, is Black Lives Matter racial stress? Then I know how to deal with them. Shoot them. They're violent. Shoot them. That's how you deal with them. And if they incite to violence, which they do everywhere they go, arrest them. It's a violation of the law. Enforce the law. Brian, you were talking about colonial times. 
in that last essay. In the last essay? Right, the last essay. This is where we're up to Coolidge Harding. I know. Then... And now we're up to today. Now, we had all different types of people come from all different parts of the world, except Muslims, since the, uh, the inception. Except they had one thing in common. They were all Christian. Right. They all prayed to the same God. Right. But what he's saying is well, that... Well, Hinduism doesn't count, right? We didn't have that here. Muslims, <laughs> Islam certainly doesn't count. Uh, Buddhism. What's that? Oh, it's the chickens. Anyway, my point is... My point is, what is racial stress? And your point is what? We have been getting along with other people from other countries since the inception of the United States. They were all white. No, they weren't. Yes, they were. There were slaves here. There were natives here. There were slaves. and nat- We didn't get along well with the natives, and slaves don't like to be slaves. So, But like, like I said... Most of them wanted to get rid of slavery. Look at that one guy. He he suddenly freed all his slaves and paid them to do the same jobs they were doing before. And took them with him to church. That's the power of Christianity. Now, Islam, on the other hand, is the one that enslaved them in the first place. That's right. Muzzy and fuzzy muzzies. Been taking slaves forever. And selling slaves forever. They still do it today. So it was their black brethren who were to blame. And the white Christian freed them. Oh. That's a backwards message from what they're teaching children. Microaggression. Microaggression. Man, if a kid ever said that, I'd smack him right across the face. You know what? Again. That's a real aggression. Not a, Okay? To complain about that. We're in the 21st century, and we're the most racist we've ever been in the history of this country. Yes. Are they insane? We are. We're more divided now and racist than ever before. But not because of, of us, the white people. Because of Obaminus and his ilk. Look, first thing's going to happen. You see, you see black people in charge of everything up there? The Department of Injustice, the White House, the Executive Branch. Okay, but they're not, but they're not doing anything but screw with our lives and screw us up and destroy our country. Do you think that's going to have a negative impact on on how people look at black people? I, I think it does. I don't because the white people just corrupt the black people. But uh, right now I'm pissed off at every black person up there that I can think of. When white people, good. I'm glad we've decided we can use color and and. Describing people. So black people is all right then, right? Brown people is all right then, right? I say it is. Stop with the stop letting people and things label themselves. Nothing was more stupid than African American. First of all, you can't tell where they come from. You don't know they came from the continent of Africa. What about Jamaicans? How you tell them apart? If they don't open their mouth. Dominicans, how about them? I'm just saying. There's other black people in the world besides in Africa. And Africa's a continent. Right. It's not a country. Correct. <laughs> when white people are challenged across racial interactions, white fragility triggers a range of defensive moves, including argumentation. Oh, we can't argue? We can't debate? Invalidation. 
Only if you're wrong. Silence. That would be good for you. Because you're wrong. Withdrawal and claims of being attacked and unsafe. Who does that? Oh, millennials? I don't know adults do that. We don't withdraw from black people and, it, and just because they're black and, and claim they're being attacked and unsafe. What is that? What are you talking about? And it's called violently challenged because that's the only thing that makes sense in what you're saying. Why would there be any violence involved in having cross-racial interactions? Is that the only kind of interactions we can have? And what are we supposed to do? Give up? Roll over, play dead? Not fight back? Pound sand, bub. You're not, you're, you may have black skin, but you're nothing special to me. Uh, it's time. I hate, I hate doing the salesman stuff. I know you That's do. why I'm not a salesman. All right, if you want to hear our show live, we're on Sunday, Tuesdays, Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time at uncooperativeradio.com, where you can also download and listen to all our shows for free. I started putting up the Patriots Pub up there, but I ran out of bandwidth, so I couldn't do it uh, anymore. But they suddenly fixed the tower, the tower. We're on it right now, and I have so my unlimited accounts back. I'm going to start putting them back up there. And if you if you ran into if you if you finished up to four, I just put up five like a couple nights ago, but I know there's 15 up there. Somehow I missed five. So I put it up there. It's out of order, but it's there. What? Nothing. There <laughs> you go. Anyway, we also, don't forget, we have paid sh- commercials on this show. We don't get paid to air them, however. We only get paid if you use the phone number in the ad to go to look into something you're interested in. Only if you're interested in it, please. I don't want people doing it just to give us money. That's not good. That's not right. I'm not like that. Uh so please, please don't do that. If you are interested, but are, please write down the phone number because if you get there on your own in some other way, we won't get paid, and neither will the ad agency that we work with. Only people that benefit will be the people with the product. So please, please, pen and paper, pen and paper. We don't have that many of them. So it's not because we can't have that many of them. It's because I don't want that many of them. All right. We could also be heard on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Talk Shoe, Podbean, Blueberry, Cream Pie. I don't know. <laughs> there are more out there. I know it because I like I did a search and ran into some. I didn't. I haven't been to in like ten years. <laughs> uh, don't forget, we still have a Facebook and Twitter page. So if you wanna, if you're a Twitter person, please do a search for Cooperative Radio and go over there and join up. Like, love, post, comment, all that kind of good stuff. Same with the Facebook people. We have a Facebook page. You're a Facebook person. Go over there. See, you got both of you covered. I will say it's harder to post on the Twitter page because it, ha- it has to be a separate account. I can't, like, Facebook, my one account, because it's my Facebook page, I can post to it. From, like, when I, a pull-down menu, when I hit facebook under an article so i could choose the page and i do and i send stuff over there i can't do that with twitter i have to log out and then log back in as on cooperative radio and then then post that way and then it, it's a pain in the neck really that's how you have to do it yep 
Wow. It's profoundly stupid, but I'm not going to complain about it because I don't want them to know I'm there. Not until I have a large following. We have to get the numbers up because they tend to screw around less with people with lots of followers. Right, and that's what they're doing. They're actually screwing around actively on social media with uh, conservatives. And we were not the only ones who are saying that, Brian. It's because it's true. We're also rebroadcasted on redstatetalkradio.com, 24-7, good internet talk radio streaming 24-7. You got it. Free. And through redstatetalkradio.com, you can get us on TuneIn, TalkStream, and on the Roku. The Roku? The Roku. <laughs> if you want to know our schedule on Red State Talk Radio, Prime. Saturdays, 12 to 3 p.m. and 6 to 9 p.m. Encore, Mondays, 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. Yes, tonight's the crunch night to get this show up. Wednesdays, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. For those early birds or late birds, depending on which one you are. And Saturdays, 7 to 10 p.m. In case you don't want to listen to me on Prime, 6 to 9 p.m. Don't quite get that, but... Thank you. As the papers rustle. They used to papers rustling. <laughs> as long as you're not pounding on the desk. I heard a talk show host oh, do that did. the other night. <laughs> that's, but that's talk radio. Toasts always do that. All right, from dailymail.co.uk. In other words, Daily Mail. Princeton has become no man's land. The famed Ivy League institution rolled out a series of gender-neutral terms aimed at removing the word man and other male-leaning language from official school material. I counter you, sir. That's impossible. Because females are women, and the word man is part of it. W-O, man, woman, get it? So, what's your problem? Hi. Women are even sexist. They have men in it, too. It's, it's terrible. They get rid of that woman word, too. What do you call it? Just called females and stuff. Right? It's kind of stupid. Get rid of something called man, mankind. Man. It's, it's part of so many different words that you're just going to screw up the language. Oh, you're a person. Uh, uh, I'm not calling you a person. Why don't you want to be an individual? Why do you want to be a collective? Well, they. I had this uh, conversation with uh, one of my girlfriends that I got reacquainted with down in Butte just two days ago, and I was telling them how we were having problems communicating even with our daughter. They were already changing her brain, and she kept calling her tenant, her. Uh, I kept saying friend, but it wasn't friend. That's not what she called him. Roommate. She would call him as her roommate. He's not as her roommate. She, he pays her rent. They never hang out. They hardly ever talk. He comes and goes whenever he wants. He's not a roommate. And yes, she he could, is. No, he wasn't. He was a tenant. He's, no, she's not a landlord. They had a, they had a landlord. She's just, she, just... Trust me, that's called a roommate. No, she, he was paying her. She was the landlord. She was the landlord. No! She was his landlord. No. Just no, no, and no. I know I've had roommates. Haven't you? No, you haven't. 
So I know. So they pay you to live where they pay you to you live have to, with them? You have to split the cost of living they there. They weren't splitting it. He was paying her directly. He wasn't yes, splitting it. Yes, it doesn't matter. You could be the, you only have one person to direct with the landlord. You don't have 10 people with the landlord. The landlord doesn't want that. The landlord rented it to her. She's sharing it with a roommate that has to give her money for her, for whoever's share of the cost of living there. That's still a roommate. You're not a you're not a landlord unless you own it. She doesn't own it. Okay. You know, look. If it was professional, she could only be a manager. She couldn't be a landlord. The landlord is the one who owns the property. You could look it up if you like. I don't have to look. Why it up. Why are we? Yeah, but you're making faces at me and giving me grief. No, I'm the not. The internet's right there. Look it up. I'm not why even? Faces. Why even bug me with it? Look it up yourself. It's just that we were having. Look up the definition of landlord and roommate. Go ahead. We were having problems communicating with her already. Yeah, but that's because you were wrong and she was right. No, and that rarely happens. That was other things. That's too. upside down, inside out world right there. <laughs> it was other things too. I just can't remember them. Maybe that's a good thing that I can't remember them. Always, never carry a grudge. Always let that stuff go. It only makes you miserable. The famed Ivy League institution rolled out a series of gender... Oh, I did this. As first reported Thursday by the conservative campus news outfit, the College Fix, Princeton's Human Resources and Office of Communications, issued a four-page memo filled with examples of gender-neutral terminology that must now be used in official school documents such as... Now, they're teaching him this. They go out in the real world. The rest of the world doesn't think like this, and they don't talk like this, and they're not going to. Why teach people not to be able to actually blend in with society, to to be able to be productive in society, to be able to communicate? Without communication, you can't be productive. You keep messing with the language for political reasons, you're going to make it a mess. Let it go. They can't let it go. They have to remap the kids' brains. No, this is just PC uh, nonsense to further segregate us. This is further segregating us. It sounds like it's a combination of, first of all, now men and women. What are you doing? What do you mean you're taking man out of it? That puts us at odds. Because of the trannies. This puts us at odds. No, it's for women, too. So they don't want any man anywhere. There are females that want to be men, you know. I'm telling you, truth. Really? Yeah. All right, uh, some of these terms. Let's let's look over the terms. The word actress should be replaced by actor. It already has been. It shouldn't be. Actor is a male and actress is a female actor. Why can't why can't we say act? Why can't why if I say actor, the visual in the mind's going to be man. By the way, all men, they're going to think of women at all. If I say actress, their mind automatically thinks of a woman. When I'm describing the play or the whatever, uh, this is stupid. A cameraman must now be called a camera operator. Nope, still going to call it a cameraman. There will be no more references to a cleaning lady, but instead an office cleaner. There's a difference between a cleaning lady and an office cleaner. There really is. Yeah, but they're saying they're getting rid of men, and now they just got rid of cleaning lady. 
They just got rid of lady. Because if you look up here, they said gender neutral. Where was it? Uh, okay, we're removing the word man and other male-leaning language from the from the source, um, and filled with examples of gender neutral terminology. This is gender neutral terminology, but actor is a gender because we say that's that's man. Yes, that acts. So they're getting rid of actress. They're right. getting rid of a lady again. But they think that's gender neutral because it doesn't say man, even though it it means man. It means a male actor. That's what it means. And an actress means a female actor. And a cameraman means a man holding a camera. And I know women don't go in for this because it's a it it you have to have some muscle. It's a it's a heavy camera. Uh, <laughs> but. I'm just saying, cleaning lady? Who has a problem with cleaning lady? Oh, lady! I just did that, too. <laughs> New students are no longer freshmen, but rather first-year students. This is asinine. A mailman no longer delivers letters or packages because that's the work now of a mail carrier. They already call them mail carriers. We just don't. Letter carrier or postal worker? No, you don't want to use the postal. You don't want women going postal. <clears throat> Nothing is to ever be done for the betterment of mankind. Again, man is part of the word woman. Women were made from one of our ribs, a man's rib. Oh, don't don't go even go there. <laughs> I just did. It's instead of instead for, but instead for humanity. Humankind, or simply people. Bite me. <laughs> or, uh, what was that famous saying, the first step <laughs> on the moon? Uh, I think you're stuck with mankind, because that speech isn't going to change anytime soon. A waiter or waitress will no longer dish out grub, as that's now the work of the server. I'm sorry. I'd rather be called a waiter than a server. Thank you, anyway. Thank you, yeah. I agree. An average man is now an average person or ordinary person. Why Why is it you can't be... You people out there are so idiotic that you can't understand. Describing requires things that describe you. This, you don't know if it's an average woman or average man makes a difference it shouldn't but does the average man or the average woman makes perfect sense what is the problem why do these idiots in academia could just are so bored they come up with this nonsense i'll tell you right now my kid would never go to princeton not in a million years i hope that school goes down i hope it goes out of business along with every other prog college out there Segment three. Oh, <laughs> there is no segment three. Yes, there is. No, it's not here. Blank. I know. I have it in mine. I don't know why I didn't put it on yours, but look, see, I have it in mine. Well, I guess you're reading. I am reading. And before I do so, I am going to play, since we went through this whole thing about the war on white people, I'm going to play our favorite black oh, man. Oh, and gender. And gender. I'm playing my favorite black man. King Samir Shabazz is the new Black Panther Party's Philadelphia leader. This new Panther version of black power does not include white participation. I hate white people. All 
all of them. Every last iota of a cracker, I hate it. We didn't come out here to play today. There's too much serious business going on in the black community to be out here sliding through South Street with white, dirty, cracker whore on our arm, and we call ourselves black men with African garb on. What the hell is wrong with you, black man? You had a doom day with a white girl on your damn arm. You want freedom? You're gonna have to kill some crackers. You're gonna have to kill some of their babies. Oh. Shamir Shabazz Shabubu. King Shamir Shabazz Shabubu, to be precise, of the new Black Panthers. Yep. It's a, they're just very peaceful people. I know. They're not violent at all, Black Panther, new Black Panthers. Not at all. I don't know why they bothered putting new in front of it. They're they're worse than the other Black Panthers. So I'm going to read from Imprimis. Oh, did he just say man? Uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> we got to go tell that. Oh, by the way, he's a Muslim, too. We got to go tell that uh, angry Muslim that can't say man. Uh-oh. I'm going to get in trouble with this. Can't say woman. <laughs> A white woman on your arm. Can't say Can't gender neutral. I'll be I'll, I'll be gender I'll be gender gender specific. Like I don't know, tranny. Homosexual. Man, woman. White, black. White, black, brown. Asian. I'm a white Hispanic, though. You're white. <laughs> I am now officially a white Hispanic. Yes, there is another code. Okay, so I'm going to read from the Imprimus. Is that how we say it? Huh? Imprimus? It's in Primus. Imprimus. I don't, I forgot again. <laughs> I think it's in Primus. I, used, I say in Primus. Yeah, it's in Primus. So it's a publication of Hillsdale College. I got a bunch of these. And you can get it online at hillsdale.edu, but I get it in the mail. So this is the danger of the Black Lives Matter movement. And part of what this is by Heather McDonald, and part of it is like kind of commie, but I did find statistics that I want everyone to hear. Oh, Scott! She's a Mac! It's not Mick, it's Mac. Mac. I said Mac. McDonald. McDonald, I said that. You got Mac. McDonald. <laughs> For almost two years, a protest movement known as Black Lives Matters has convulsed the nation, triggered by the police shooting of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, in August 2014. The Black Lives Matter don't movement... Don't you want to read the... I always read the bio, so no. you know who we're talking about. No, I don't want to read it. It's, no? No, I don't. Well, okay. is she even American? Yes. Okay, just checking with a name like <laughs> MacDonald, you know. <laughs> okay, so... Da-da-da-da. Um, the Black Lives Matter movement holds that racist police officers are the greatest threat facing young black men today. This belief has triggered riots, dine-ins, the murder and attempted murder of police officers, a campaign to eliminate traditional grand jury proceedings when police use lethal force, and a presidential tax force on policing. Policing, sorry, policing. All right. Now, this is her statistics. The black violent crime rate would actually predict that more than 26% of police victims would be black. Officer use of force will occur where the police interact most often with violent criminals, armed suspects, and those resisting arrest, and that is in black neighborhoods. In America's 75 largest cities in 2009, for example, blacks constituted 62% of all robbery defendants, 57% of all murder defendants, 
45% of all assault defendants, but only 15% of the population. Does Black Lives Matter know that? What's only 15%? They're only 15% of those cities' population. But they account for 62% of robbery, 57% of all murders, and 45% of, of all assault defendants. See, I don't know about those numbers, because I just saw the numbers, and the Hispanics were, un, it were lower than the black community. Blacks were, I think blacks were at 45, 40, 45%, something like that. And then, and then the Hispanics were like 15%. Well, whatever you want to call them, Latinos, Latinas. You can't do that, because there's Latino, Latina. It's there's Hispanic. Right. They're brown. They're, they're Hispanic. They're not Spanish. They're of Spanish descent. Yeah, because now we have Spanish people from all over the world here. Hispanic. Right. The only Spanish people come from Spain. So what does a hiss mean? It's like part Spanish, of, of, of Spanish descent, but not Spanish. In other words, you know, they... They raped a bunch of people in Mexico, the natives of Mexico, and they're Hispanic, not Spanish. Okay, so what would that make my father then? Because he, my grandfather was a Spaniard, and my grandmother was an Indian in Puerto Rico. Mm, yeah, Makes my, him part Spanish, part Indian. What was his mother? His mother was a Taos Indian, which is a native of Puerto okay, Rico. Okay, so he's half Taos Indian, and then half... Spaniard. Spaniard. So that's Hispanic. Right. <laughs> just check it. But I'm a white. I'm white, uh, white Hispanic. You're just white. <laughs> Moreover, 40% of all cop killers have been black over the last decade. And a larger proportion of white and Hispanic homicide deaths are a result of police killings than black homicide deaths. Yeah, the inconvenient truth, black lives matter. But don't expect to hear that from the media or from the political enablers of the Black Lives Matter movement. 12% of all white and Hispanic homicide victims are killed by police officers compared to 4% of all black homicides. If we were going to have a Lives Matter anti-police movement, it would be more appropriately named White and Hispanic Lives Matter. How about All Lives Matter? Thank you. Thank you. All lives do matter. They should. Uh, black lives don't seem to matter to black people, so uh, I don't know what they're talking about. Maybe black lives don't matter. I'm just saying, they keep killing each other. I just I looked up once at Ferguson yesterday. Oh, did you? Yeah. A murder. <laughs> I just, it, there it was. Threw it up. There's Ferguson for you. Black on black crime. That's what happened. That was just Happens like every day. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Just last week. Same crap. They're all black. They were rioting on themselves. Uh huh. <laughs> About a black person being killed. Standard. Ooh. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. I'm just. Ooh. I just said. Ooh. Sound effect. Okay. Standard anti-cop ideology, whether emanating from the ACLU or the academy, academy, holds that law enforcement actions are racist if they don't mirror population data. Where's that word? It's uh, it's academy, or the academy. Yep. Academy. Yeah, it's, it's hyphenated. It's, I know. They I got, did that. It threw me off. Yeah, because that no one does it much anymore. But the way they're utilizing the columns and everything, they have to. It, you know, you hyphenated word when you have to break it. 
mm-hmm. to to the next line in the sentence. Right. So you don't see that too often. But before you go on, here's okay. here's actual demographics from the 2010-2012 race ethnic percentages for the United States. This is from the census. Okay, in 2010, black were 12.2 percent of the population. And in 2012, 12.3%. So, wow, they didn't really go anywhere. I thought white people were, were dying off. They are. Look at the white percentage in 2010. 63.7, 63. Oh, it's 63. I can't really see it. Asian is 4.7 in 2010 and 5.0 in 2012. Hispanics are 16.3% in 2010 and 16.9% in 2012. Not nearly the... The rapid increase that peop- the people on the left keep talking about. Oh, it'll be soon they'll overtake us. Doesn't look like it. Well, if, it's gonna, if count- over if over two years, it's going to change. Oh, seven point seven percent. They're not counting all the brown pieces of crap that crossed our border, Brian. Yes, they do count that. Oh, sure they do. Well, they haven't yet. We're only in twenty twelve. This is the community survey state. Uh, Rockies up. Sorry. It uses the census for 2010, and I don't know what it, where it got the demographics for 2012, but they do. Okay, by 2016, it must so, be like crazy. Total minority in 2010 was 36.3%. Total minority in 2012, 37%. Again, an increase in 0.7%. 0.7% over two years. That's not fat, rapid growth, in my opinion. That's a long time ago, though. Yeah, it's four years ago, but that doesn't mean the percentages went crazy. Mm. Uh, so, New York City illustrates why that expectation is, expectation is so misguided. Blacks make up 23%. Now, listen to this statistic, and this is from 2016. Blacks make up 23% of New York City's population, but they commit 75% of all shootings. It's only 23% of the population in New York. White people are disarmed in New York City. But they commit 75% of all shootings, 70% of all robberies, and 66% of all violent crime. Where yeah, are they getting the guns? I, I've gone through this just just off the top of my head, right, using these numbers. You just look at the percentage of populace versus the percentage of them in prison. There are more black people in prison. Yeah, there are, because more black people, as they're pointing out, do the crime. So they have to do the time. That's right. (laughs) Don't do the crime if you can do the time. No, no. Don't do it. At Hispanic shootings, you account for 98% of all illegal gunfire in the city. Whites are 33% of the city's population, but they commit fewer than 2% of all shootings, 4% 4% of all robberies, and 5% of all violent crime. Yep. But, but that, they're not, you're looking at the U.S. population. They cannot be counting the pieces of brown crap that came over. They are, they're counting and oh, the fuzzy one muzzies. birth every seven seconds, one death every 13 seconds, one international migrant net every 20 seconds, net gain of one person every 11 seconds. Wow, look at the friggin' international migrant. Look at it go. Look at it. Holy crap. We have 324,293,818 people in this country, and it just clicked over to 819. World population, 7,345,891,870, wee, 80 
two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Wee! Get the so, idea? Wee! So the, all the, this, this whole movement is, a, is bull. The blacks are doing more of the crime. That's yeah, why that, they're getting... That's already been brought up, uh, people on our side. They don't, they don't care. They don't listen. And the idiot progs, useful idiots, they don't listen either. It's not fair. You know, life's not fair. Let's start there. I'm so sick of the whining little creeps. Mantra, life's not fair. Repeat it to yourself every time you want to whine and complain about something. Life is not fair. That's right. That's how it is. Accept it. Move on. Learn from your mistakes. Okay. Is there anything else interesting there? Yeah. Um, these disparities mean that virtually every time the police in New York are called out on a gun run, meaning that someone has just been shot, they're being summoned to minority neighborhoods looking for minority suspects. Officers hope against hope that they will receive descriptions of white shooting suspects, but it almost never happens. This incidence of crime means that innocent black men have a much higher chance than innocent white men of being stopped by the police because they match the description of the, subse- of the suspect. Correct. This is not something the police choose. It is a reality forced on them by the facts of crime. That's why Obama just needs to get the hell out of our local police. He's not, and he's not. Get, he's not getting into it. He's given it over to the United Nations. The United Nations are the ones working with our police now for a better community relations. Where did you find that? Well, you can find it on my Facebook and Twitter pages because I f- found it on the internet. So, not only are they federalizing them, they're oh, I, I UNizing you that, that them. They're not federalizing; they're UNizing them. They're globalizing them. This this new UN thing is a global initiative, but seems specifically related to working with the United States police departments. So, oh, look at this! This is interesting. I wish they could see this. They have a graph that's uh, by age. One side is men, the other side is women. It's literally a mirror image. The same amount of women is the same amount of men in the same age group. It's it's weird. And it's there's most of them are like 50 to 60, but then there's a whole bunch. Uh, there's a peak here. Looks like it's about, third, about 28 or something. And, uh, yeah, on, on the, it's like two sides of a bar with graphs and the women's goes to the right and the men's go to the left and it is the same image it's weird look at it it's the exact same image yeah i see that that's just that's just who would think that's that's population density wow this is a cool site (laughs) montana montana where's montana Okay, so police operating in inner-city neighborhoods now find themselves routinely surrounded by cursing, jeering crowds when they make a pedestrian stop or try to arrest a suspect. Sometimes bottles and rocks are thrown. Yes, we know that. Ferguson and just Milwaukee. Bystanders stick cell phones in the officers' faces, daring them to proceed with their duties. Officers are worried about becoming the next racist cop of the week and possibly losing their livelihood thanks to an incomplete cell phone video that inevitably fails to show the a- to show to to the accidents I don't even know what that says what word is that antecedents antecedents to their use of force officer use of force is never pretty but the public is clueless 
about how hard it is to subdue a suspect who is determined to resist arrest. That was one of your pet peeves with the all of this, trying to resist arrest. Yep. Don't risk don't resist it, you won't get hurt. As a result of the anti-cop campaign of the last two years and the resulting pushback in the streets, officers in urban areas are cutting back on precisely the kind of policing that led to the crime decline of the 1990s and 2000s. Arrests and summons are down, particularly for low-level offenses. Police officers continue to rush to 911 calls when there is already a victim. But when it comes to making stops, such as getting out of their cars and questioning people hanging out on drug corners at 1 a.m., many cops worry that doing so could put their careers on the line. Thank you, Obama. This is all because of Obama. Obama-ness. And what were you talking about petty crimes? You brought that up one time when... Uh... There's, no, uh, there's no such thing. In New York City, that was one of the things Rudy Giuliani did. Uh, quality of life policing is what he called it. There is no such thing as too minor of a crime. Whatever the crime, whether it be uh, jaywalking to selling small amounts of crack cocaine, you know, New York cops used to look the other way even for crack dealers on the street because they they were low-level dealers and they didn't want to have to do all the paperwork because you pretty much bring them in. It was like a revolving door. They'd go in and they'd come back out. They'd be back out before the police officer was. So, yeah, they did that and they enforced that, and guess what? It worked. Everything, community cleaned up, crime cleaned up, everything was better, Giuliani left, put in a bunch of progs, and now it's all hell again. Do you know what the most populous city in the United States is, Susan? Manhattan? New York City. Yep, New York City, New York, which is Manhattan. That, that can't be right. It's gone up that much? 8,550,000? No, it's just got to be all of New York City. Yeah, it's got to be. Population per square mile, 28,364. Holy goodness. Who do you think uh, Who do you think the second state is? Second city, I mean. Los Angeles. Are you reading it? No. <laughs> Sodom and Gomorrah. Yep, Los Angeles. 3,971,883 people. Uh, per square mile, 8,474. Big difference with New York City, huh? 28,000 per square mile to 8,000. And LA's big. Next is Chicago, then Houston, then yeah, Philadelphia, Phoenix, San Antonio, talking, San Diego. All of these places you're pretty much talking about is all brown people. No, it varies as you go down the list. Uh, no, all of New York City is brown and black the ghettos are the rest of it's white as hell oh because i don't know brown people and black people don't seem to do well in finance i don't want to tell you but see this is how detrimental this black lives matter movement is that's why i read that because there is no war on freaking blacks there's war on whites there has been for a long time uh los angeles county itself has 10 million people in it we got to go it's young cooperative radio show I'm your host, Brian Bonner, from uncooperativeblogger.com. You're listening to uncooperativeradio.com. And say goodnight, Susan. Good night, Susan. And we're out of
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.